It's time for Twit, and we have assembled a blue ribbon panel to explain what the hell is going on in the stock market this week, including Christina Warren from Microsoft, Philip Elmer DeWitt of PED30, and my good friend Alex Wilhelm. He's a finance guy from TechCrunch. It's all coming up next on Twit. Our Twit annual survey is almost done. We don't want to miss your feedback. One more week to go to twit.tv slash survey21. It shouldn't take you more than a few minutes. You can skip anything you don't want to tell us. We don't track you, but we do like to know more about you, and this is our way of doing it once a year. Completely voluntary, but it does help us, both selling advertising and knowing more of who you are and what you want. Go to twit.tv slash survey21, and thanks in advance. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is TWIT, This Week in Tech, episode 808, recorded Sunday, January 31st, 2021. Shorting the Turnips. This Week in Tech is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Switching to Mint Mobile's premium wireless service is the easiest way to save this year. Maximize your savings with plans starting at $15 a month and get the plans shipped right to your door free at mintmobile.com. Slash twit. And by Thinkst Canary. Detect attackers on your network while avoiding irritating false alarms. Get the alerts that matter. For 10% off and a 60-day money-back guarantee, go to canary.tools slash twit. Enter the code twit in the How Did You Hear About Us box. And by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. It's not just an innovation on existing technology. It's a scientific breakthrough in air purification. For 10% off your first air purifier order, visit Molecule.com. And don't forget to enter the code TWIT10 at checkout. And by Udacity. Build your tech skills through industry-leading programs created and recognized by top companies worldwide with a nano degree from Udacity in as little as 12 weeks. Visit udacity.com slash twit and don't forget to use the coupon code twit at checkout. You'll get 50% off through May 30th, 2021. It's time for Twit This Week in Tech, the show where we cover your week's tech news. Oh, is this a week? <laughs> wild week. Let's join uh, Christina Warren in her corner loft in Brooklyn, New York, which is not actually where she is, but I'll never tell. Hi, Christina. Hey, Leo. How are you? <laughs> Senior cloud advocate at Microsoft. I am great. How are you? How is it in quarantine for you these days? Yeah, you know, it's been weird. Um, uh, uh, Seattle, Washington State is still pretty locked down, um, and it's now like winter, so it's rainy and Ugh. kind of gross, Ugh. so it's it's weird, but, uh, you know, can't can't complain too much. And uh, I'm so excited to be on this week to be talking with you oh. and with the rest of the panel oh. about the stuff we're going to talk about. Like, yes. it, it couldn't have been more perfect. Like, yes. this is this is the perfect panel for this week. Yes. If you were wondering what's going on, this is the, this is the panel. <laughs> Philip Elmer DeWitt is also here. PED 30, longtime Apple uh, journalist. And uh, we, he'll help us understand the Apple news of the week. There's a lot of it. Hi, Philip. It's good to see you. I'll do you. my best. Is the dash between Philip and Elmer or Elmer and DeWitt? It's between Elmer and DeWitt. The truth, the truth is um, I hyphenated 
because I married a woman uh, for whom hyphenation was a condition of marriage. Wow, she that's actually, worth it. She actually capitalizes the W. We've since divorced. Oh, <laughs> and I, and you kept and her I name. Married, that's very I married, uh, my, uh, I married my high school girlfriend uh, 50 years later, uh, and I dropped the DeWitt for living in Greenfield, Massachusetts. And also, I'm, a, I'm now a counselor in Greenfield, Massachusetts. What? And I ran my camp- yeah, yeah, I got elected to the city council, council uh, city councilor at large, and I dropped the. I, I ran a campaign on the word Elmer, so I, I borrowed the colors of Elmer's glue, and I <laughs> and I had these lawn signs in Elmer's glue colors, uh, and the slogan was "Let's stick together." <laughs> so I I, I, it I works. won the election. I won the election, and now it's a four-year term, and I'm dying. These meetings go on forever, and uh, it's hard work. It is hard is work. Hard work. Uh, yep. You know, I the uh, city of Petaluma is looking for uh, somebody to be on their tech committee. I used to do that, never again. Uh, and uh, it's it is, and it's uh, but you know it's important work. So thank you for doing it. I'm trying to find your sign, but I, I uh, Google's oh, good. Google's good, but I can't. I think it's on it's on Facebook, but don't don't go there. No, I don't. Oh, I'll dig it up maybe. No, I yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. I, I well, it's too late now. I want to introduce I, the whole panel. We have so much to talk about. I could go yeah, down every rat hole there is, but uh, including we were just talking about buying shoes on on StockX and uh, and Christina's magic formula for getting PlayStation fives, but. That's uh, you know that'll be in the paid edition of this week in tech. <laughs> that we could sell that stuff. Also here with us, and it's a good thing, Alex Wilhelm, because he is a finance guy, reporter at TechCrunch, but uh, for a long time he ran Crunchbase News, so he's going to explain everything to us. Great to see you, Alex. Two things. One, it's really hard to follow Philip after that introduction because that was hilarious. And uh, <laughs> Elmer's glue stick together. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I promise to try to explain as much stuff as I can. But I think that this week was so busy. We're still kind of in the middle of this news cycle, if that makes sense. So we're going oh, yeah. to be kind of in motion here. So we'll do our best. But yeah. uh, by Tuesday, everything here is going to be pretty out of date. Well, you I filed think. a bunch of stories on TechCrunch. I know about it. We're talking, of course, about the uh, GameStop. Um, meme stock, basically. Uh, the subreddit Wall Street Bets about uh, deep effing value. The, <laughs> the investor who took uh, like a $50,000 investment and turned it into $31 million. Uh, this has been a wild story. And I think by now, probably people have heard enough about the details of this, but I'll just do a quick summary so you understand what we're talking about. GameStop, which is, one would think, you know, on the, on the base, on the face of it, not the best, most valuable stock one could buy. Uh, they are those brick and mortar stores, mostly in malls, which are mostly defunct, selling physical games, which no one is buying anymore because it's all gone to digital downloads. Even even our 18-year-old who really loved going to GameStop, it still does, I think he bought the physical copies so he could sell them as used and maybe get more games that way. But even he is recognizing it's downloadable for the future. So for a while, GameStop stock has been going down, down, down. There was this little thing that happened. Uh, an investor 
who has some street credibility, uh, bought a big stake in it, right? He bought, uh, I think, 10 or 11% of the stock, got on the board, and has been convincing them to go digital. And so maybe you could say there's something that makes you think this stock maybe has more of a future. They've been through five CEOs in the last 12 months. <laughs> it's not, it's not a, a good picture. However, last fall, uh, an investor named Deep Effing Value on uh, the Wall Street Bet subreddit on, on Reddit um, started pumping this stock up, saying, that, you know what, this is going to be good. Started to buy it. He bought, like I said, about $50,000 worth uh, others did it. It became now what the new term is a meme stock with people on Reddit, uh, people on Discord, on the Wall Street Bets Discord server and other places selling it up to buy, buy the stock, buy the stock. Now, because the stock was such a laggard, it was heavily shorted by a lot of the big hedge funds like Melvin Capital, billions of dollars. And as soon as the stock price started going up and boy, did it go up to the hundreds of dollars from, you know, from 30 bucks. Uh, the shorts got squeezed. These were people who took a bet that the stock was going to go down, borrowed stock, uh, sold it, expecting it to go down even more so they could buy it and repay the borrow. The problem is if the stock goes up, you're kind of caught with your shorts in a, in a bunch because uh, suddenly your, your interest is going up as the price is going up. And suddenly at some point you have to, you have to get out of this position and it ended up costing billions of dollars for a number of hedge funds uh, who got very angry. Robinhood, which is a, <laughs> yeah, understandably Robinhood, which is a, a very popular app along with Webull and a few others that are designed to get what they call retail stock buyers, people like you and me, to buy stock because they don't charge a commission, um, was obviously a, a place to go to buy GameSpot stock for a lot of these people. But then Robinhood. And the stock market as a whole halted trading, which was seen by the little guys as protecting the big guys from the little guys' onslaught. And then at some point, Robin Hood said, you can, you can only buy one share at a time. There were good reasons for that, which we could go into. But I think what's interesting about all of this, this ferment, and there are other stocks that are uh, also seeing some of this AMC, the movie theater chain, also suffering. Uh, but they, that became a meme stock. Um, and Nokia became a meme stock. So there's a number of these meme stocks. Um, let me start with you, Alex. Is meme stock, it's a little bit of a put down. Like, these people yeah. aren't real investors. This is just a meme. Is that a fair characterization? I don't think it's as pejorative as we might think on the surface. I think it's almost one of those um, negative things you kind of take on as a joke that you uh, then begin to enjoy yourself. So meme stock to me just describes the group of stocks that are trading uh, not based on fundamentals or long-term value, but based on kind of current market sentiment amongst the retail crowd. So and by AMC, the way, the sentiment may not be driven either by market fundamentals. It may be driven, and it seems to be somewhat driven by, let's screw the hedge funds, Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of annoyance uh, amongst retail traders about their position in the market. If you have a lot of money, you have access to better information, better tools, and uh, faster trades. If you're a retail investor like you know us here, kind of regular folks, you don't. And so it feels like the market is a little bit uh, set up against you, and it is. And so what you're seeing here is a combination of greed – 
uh, social interest, kind of people banding together on the internet to bring something together, and also annoyance with the way things are set up. And I think a lot of people are still pretty peeved about uh, 2008, 2009, and how things kind of worked out there, and how people didn't go to jail, and how uh, we, the taxpayers, spent a lot of money to uh, keep these big banks alive. And so when these social traders on Reddit and other places notice that GameStop is shorted more than 100%. 140%. So I don't even know how that can happen. By the way, that's right. a failure of regulation. But the hedge funds have bought more GameStop stock than exists. And sold it short. And so people yeah. knew that if they took advantage of this, they and could ran never the price of it up. make it good, right? There's not enough right. stock to buy. Right. How it's did been they one of the most interesting things. How did they know that it had been shorted 140%? Somebody must really, someone sophisticated uh, must have looked at that and figured it out. No? So, so Philip, the short interest is periodically available. Uh, before this show, I was Googling around a little bit, and you can find data on that. And with more sophisticated tooling like a Bloomberg terminal, you can definitely find out. But what's really interesting, and you raise <laughs> a good what, point. By is, the way, that's somewhat, some people characterize this as 4chan with a Bloomberg terminal. <laughs> Which is yeah, exactly what it is. <laughs> Which is exactly what well, it is. Well, wait a minute. Now, I got to point out, and, and by the way, Elizabeth Warren, AOC, and others in Congress have called for an investigation. The SEC, which moves like molasses, woke up late last week and went, oh, oh, oh wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I got to point out, it is not obvious. You, you know, this, this is the superficial description of this. But it's completely possible that it wasn't just retail traders, that maybe other hedge funds we're intentionally short squeezing their competition. We don't know exactly right. well, what's I think really going on here, do we? No, I mean, I think that what happened, you know, when the, the squeeze started and when you did have people like uh, like Roaring Kitty and, and some of the other big Wall Street. Roaring Kitty is were, deep, a deep effing value. Yeah. It's, it's his YouTube handle. It's, it's we'll his call YouTube him Roaring yeah. Kitty, Kitty from now on. That's probably more right. Yeah. So so when you have this guy who's, you know, turned a fifty thousand dollar investment into thirty one million or whatever, and, and he's an actual I mean, he's incredibly clever and incredibly smart. When you have people like him who made those moves, I do think that those were people who saw a, you know, a, a glitch, a hole in the system and were able to take advantage and then were able to propel this into other things. The thing is, though, is that once the stock started rising and once everybody started kind of staring at it like slackshawed, what's happening and it went up and up and up, obviously you're going to have like non-retail in, um, uh, investors who are interested in it too, right? Like, so I, I think that it becomes at that point, you know, people who are doing high frequency trading and who are trading based on, you know, having, you know, watch lists and algorithms and are doing all the all the ways that, you know, most professionals trade now, which is not the way that retailers, retail investors um, uh, trade, we're obviously going to be getting in on it. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if, and this is usually not uncommon where some of the hedge funds will have a position to backstop against like their short position failing. Right. So I don't think we know exactly what it is. I'd be very curious to hear Alex's thoughts. My thoughts, just based on what we know now and so much of it, we're still figuring out, as he said, the news cycle has moved so quick. But my, my gut tells me that while most of the interest has been led by retail um, investors, once things shifted past a certain point then you did start to see traditional investors, whether they be hedge funds or, or you know, um, just, uh, you know, high frequency traders or, or whatever, starting to get in on the action, too, which is only going to continue to, to keep this frothy. Uh, and I mean, I, 
look, I, I expected the crash to have already happened. I was very clearly wrong on that. But I think this is one of those things where we're all expecting the inevitable crash. We don't know when the bottom's going to drop. But the the completely nutso thing about this is that we don't know how how high this is going to go until things presumably regulate themselves, assuming they do. And, and maybe this is one of those weird things where, where it won't. I think that GameStop as a company is in such a poor position that I don't see how it can continue to, you know, stay at these, at these uh, levels. But yeah, to, to your point, I don't think it's, it's definitely, I think that it started and was largely led by retail investors. But if people are making money in this, like the game is rigged, it, it is. I mean, I think anybody who's followed anything and has anything to do with finance understands and like accepts that you can't expect the billionaires to be sitting on the sidelines and seeing regular people making money and not wanting to to get in on some of the yeah. play, too. I mean, it's just bizarre. Uh, Roaring Kitty. And this is what you do on Wall Street Bets. You post uh, pictures of your you know losses and your gains and so forth. Took to fit his he posted and nobody can verify this, but he claims he invested $53,000 and at some point it reached $48 million. Whether he sold, I don't think, because I think he's saying hold, which I think, Alex, is nuts because isn't this bubble going to pop at some point? Here's a picture of a kid, 10-year-old, Jaden Carr. His mom gave him 10 shares in GameStop uh, in 2019 is a Kwanzaa present. <laughs> That's amazing. He's happy. Amazing. I love him. Love, love, love. She, I genuinely love that for him. She wanted to teach him about investing, but what lesson did Jaden learn, <laughs> really, <laughs> about investing? That's one of the concerns I have. I see people like my own son, naive investors, who say, oh, you know, I'm going to get me that uh, Robin Hood, and I'm going to put some money in here because this is a, a great opportunity. But, but what do you think, Alex? Is the bubble about to burst? Is it, it what I guess it's not because more and more people are coming along saying, I got to get in on this, right? Even though now yeah, yeah, yeah. you're buying game stock, game spot stock at like 300 bucks. I don't know what the current price is, but it, 325. Yeah, so, yeah, that's it's, crazy. Look, Leo, if this is the, this is the year to date is... graph, it was, it, it was, it was, yeah, January 5th, it was $17. It is now $325. And there was yeah. a sell-off uh, on Thursday. I'm sure there's some uh, market, you know, uh, market, off-market share uh, trading going on right now. It's insane. It's insane. So are people going to, but don't you think people are going to get hurt by this, Alex, or no? Besides, yeah, they are going to get hurt by it. I mean, we I know mean, the hedge funds got hurt. Melvin Capital had to go borrow money from Stephen Cohen. <laughs> yep. To the tune of several billion dollars. Yeah. So the billionaires the bailed point. out the billionaires. We didn't do it, which is super important to note. Uh, no one knows how long this can stay up because no one thought this was going to happen. And when you discuss people posting their trades on Wall Street Bets and other forums, what they're doing is sharing with a large crowd. And in, it's not like the old days where you had to go on CNBC to talk about your positions to get people to pay attention. Now you can kind of rally an army of individual traders who have access to things like options and more exotic investments than they didn't used to have. And so now you can really marshal a lot of buying power behind you. People are buying billboards and ads to encourage more people to buy and hold GameStop. Game, GameStop Look at this. stock, which yeah. is a tongue twister. The, you know, uh, uh, deep effing value posted, hold, 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 hold. Uh, of course he wants you to hold. He, in fact, he wants you to buy more because his value is going to go up. You have to, at some point, you have to start wondering about these people's motivations uh, and and maybe not buy into this. 
it's 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 crazy. Uh, yes. And I don't think we fully know what's going on. Here's, but there's a large to me. There's a larger thing at play here that actually ties into the events of the last few years. Um, this is essentially mob action, right? Have you ever? Has anybody ever? I was in a mob when I was a kid. I was protesting against the Vietnam War with a big group of people. Uh, we did things that I would never have done by myself. You know, we blocked the freeway. We rocked police cars. Stupid things that I would never have done. But when you get in a mob, you lose your mind and you start acting as a single brain in a mob. And we've seen this before. We saw it January 6th. Of, In a way, to me, what's happening in the stock market with GameStop is similar to what happened in the insurrection in the Capitol. Is similar to what happened, I guess you could say, in the Arab Spring. And again and again... What I think we're seeing is how social media, these messaging platforms like Telegram and Discord, WhatsApp, empower the formation of mobs. When I was a kid, you, you only became a mob because everybody said, let's go down and protest the war in Vietnam on you know, a certain day. And we all went. And that mob never got much bigger because there wasn't this mass medium. But social media has, in my mind, weaponized the mob. And while so, this seems benign to me, I you know, this is great. I'm glad some hedge funds suffered. They should. But it that's today. Tomorrow it could be less benign. I, I think the comparison to the January 6th is a little bit tenuous because that was a rally that the leader of America had called people to show up to. So it was much more centralized than this sort of Reddit Discord well, I'm not making, type thing. I'm not making deep effing value equivalent to President Trump. but That's the point. But I'm saying that... Had President Trump not had Twitter and Facebook, had the or, had the organizers not had these social media platforms, to me it looks like these social media platforms are ripe for this kind of thing. And this is what we're going to see. And I think we're going to see it a lot more often. Just to add to that point, there's currently a new meme amongst the same trading groups to squeeze the price of silver. And I have yeah. not looked into this because all my money is in boring index funds because of journalism rules. Uh, but, um, you know, this is not going to stop. People have now found a lever and they're going to mm -hmm. keep trying to move the world as long as they can. And, you know, we saw a lot of issues with Robin Hood's ability to stay up and so forth, but they'll figure that out. They'll get that sorted out. And then once those pathways are open, there's not going to be the same kind of like um, slows to the system. And so I, I don't know where this goes, but uh, as a person who cares about the financial markets in general, I'm going to be fascinated to see what the next couple of years look like. If we do actually see the revenge of retail traders against the professional money, it will be an inversion of trends that have been going on for, for decades, you know, and um, – People are going to get hurt, Leo, but it's going to be really fun to watch the financial carnage uh, either way. Yeah, I, I mean, well, I don't know if it's going to be fun. I think when regular people lose, I'm sorry, I'm like very deeply concerned with that. And and I've been a little yeah. bit of a Debbie Downer on on Twitter and on like uh, the podcast I do, Rocket, about this because I have like. I will be totally honest, I was wrong and that this has continued to go up far longer than I expected. But the bottom is going to fall from this, like. I'm not saying that the GME is a Ponzi scheme because it's not, but it has a lot of the same um, like 
qualities that a Ponzi scheme has. And, and fundamentally, this is not a healthy company. This is not a good company. This is a company who most of their their you know money is, is caught up in real estate in, in strip malls and in dying areas, who has a business model with tremendous amounts of problem, who has no e-commerce um, uh, to, to, to speak of. I mean, they have an e-commerce system, but anybody who's bought from them knows how bad their logistics are. Like they can't compete with Best Buy or Amazon this isn't based or some on of the other players. Fundamentals at no, all. no, right. Exactly yeah. what I'm saying is, is the fundamentals of this company are poor. But that's like, why it's a meme can... stock. It has nothing. Right. And by right, the way, exactly. cl- clarify this for me. Does GameStop get any benefit out of this at all? This no, 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 this no, is, this no. Is really that's that's the other thing. That's this is bad thing. for them. Philip says, "How is yes. it bad for them?" Yeah, I well, because because they can't. You know, this this thousands of people who work for this company, and at some point, uh, the stock is going to revert to the vet to the you know basically what the stock is wor- what the company is worth, and they're not going to be able to sell their stock or take advantage of it. I talked to a a sells a guy who used to be a sell side analyst and he says that first of all you can be sure that Goldman Sachs had its blood uh sucking thing in the middle of this uh yeah. when 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 there's a lot of money involved the big guys glomp on and they short or long or whatever and they can act faster they, than anybody using robin they they're, they're, their right. trades are going to going to be <laughs> executed way faster yeah, yeah. Right. Now, he says – this guy says that it's clear that this is going to get regulated. And the question is, do you – are these guys who have taken advantage of the social network, which gives them enormous power, to do something that, that Wall Street traders are not supposed to do? They're not supposed to right. act as a group. They're supposed to act individually. They – you know, that gets – Is it illegal to, go, to act in concert? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It is illegal. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But the, the, so they, but the legality but they, doesn't – I mean, the idea of it being from a subreddit, I bet that's well, no, good luck. No, no well, well, good, well, yes and no. There but they did buy billboards. Look at this. Look at this. Well, right, there are billboards I, all over the country that say, you know, there's, there's, right. uh, there's the guy. What's his name? Hello Kitty. We like the stock GME to the moon. These yeah. are all over the country. They bought billboards. Right. Well, the thing is, is that there have been cases where the SEC has gone after news groups like the Yahoo groups used to be popular uh, during the dot com crash. And they've gone after, um, you know, newsletters and, and other sorts of forums for market manipulation before. It's hard to prove intent. It's hard to prove other things. I will say as somebody who's lurked in the Wall Street Bets forums for like the subreddit, I, I've known about it for years. I haven't ever like posted, but I've, I've known about it. Starting last week when I guess like actually, you know, I guess Thursday or Friday of, 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 um, of a week before last, you know, so 10 days ago, you started to see some stuff that to me seemed like pretty clear market manipulation stuff that seemed to go against the law. How do you prove that? How do you go after those individuals? I don't know if you can, but certainly, yeah, there's some stuff in here that that does strike me as very different from people going on CNBC and talking about their stock. And it might be a semantical difference. And, and it might be something where people say, oh, it's yeah, just Jim about Kramer access. is famous for <laughs> pumping stocks. Right. He even got right. in trouble for doing it. Well, I was going to say, usually, they, but see, Jim Kramer, you know, he's been in trouble for things, but he usually is very precise in his language. There have he been says, things that I've yeah, seen. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Right, exactly, because he's been, he's been sanctioned for it. But yeah. there have been people who will promise this is going to this price. This is going to this price. When you do that, that is that that is illegal. Now, again, how do you punish those people? I don't know, but I do feel like this is one of those things where, you know, you're going to push stuff further underground and into Telegram and, and Discord groups. Um, but 
I, I do feel like Phillips, right, the regulators are going to come after this for no other reason than because they don't want, you know, the, the little guy uh, ripping the, them off. The little guys are peeved. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> because are. Because it looks like Wall Street is banding together to protect well, themselves are. against them by stopping the trading, by Robin Hood saying you can only buy one share uh, by this regulators coming in if they do come in. That's just going to anger these guys who really think they've been sticking it to the man. Right. Well, Scott, Scott. the funny thing is the man fights back. I mean, that's that's what, well, that's, but, that's what upsets yeah, me about it. Which is this. a shame because, frankly, uh, I want to stick it to the man. These billionaires I, I, deserve everything you can do of, to them. Of course, of course. But I mean, I think a couple things. One, Melvin Capital, no one cared about, right? Like they were a couple billion dollar hedge fund. Uh, that's an astronomical amount of money to you and I. I can't even imagine that much money. It but that small. in like, yeah. that's not that's not even on the yeah. radar, right? No. Like they, they, they Stephen they Cohen could say, here's a couple of billion from his exactly. you know, cigarette and, money. It didn't. And, and, so, and so the part of <laughs> Citadel that, so, so the part of Citadel that let that lent them money, Citadel doesn't care about Melvin. They're, they're willing to let them go off. And I'm sure that the terms of that loan were very, advantageous for Citadel, right? Nobody's going to be like fundamentally trying to change the market because Melvin Capital or some of these other hedges lost money. It turned into this other thing. And I do agree with you that it is like the little guy trying to fight back. I think what what concerns me, and I don't want to be a downer, is that A, as I said, the the House does always win. The billionaires are going to band together. And people who have bought into this specific stock, maybe there's some other ones that are truly undervalued and you can do a different sort of short squeeze and you can make a better case for it. But people who are buying in, like if you bought in like right now at 325, um, if you're able to even execute your, your sell orders, which if you're a retail investor, you go last, you are not, so, so you don't even know what you're going to be able to sell at. Like, a lot of people are going to be left holding the bag. Like if you got in really low, that's awesome. And and I would, you know, if, if it were me, I didn't invest. I didn't mess around with this. But, you know, if it were me, I would have been I would have already been out um, it, no matter what, like potential future. It's interesting I had, because I been everybody out. on Wall Street Bets is saying, hold, 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 hold. Of course they Diamond are. Of course hands. they are. Yeah. Of course they are, because because they they want it to go to a thousand. They want it to have all these things. And, and it pays for them. I, I get could that. Could it I'm create saying, another 2008? I mean, could it? Really cause no, I, I, no. I'm worried. the volume's not high I, enough. I'm, I don't think. I'm worried though, um, because it, what they've done here is uh, taken advantage of a social network uh, and and use it in the stock market. That hasn't been done before, and it's right. enormously powerful. Now, Scott Galloway had a good take on it, the NYU professor, who said. Um, you know, he admired this. This was this was very clever. Uh, but and there and he said they're not really doing anything that the short sellers weren't doing. And if if they're going to regulate these guys, they're going to have to regulate uh, Wall Street too. They're not going to. They can't let the short sellers keep doing what they were doing, buying 140 percent of a stock, borrowing 140 percent of a stock. That's not that's not right. Right. Uh, and in, in fact, the, you know, uh, because I follow the Apple crowd, they were very upset because we had these blowout earnings and then the stock went down. And the reason the stock went down, it was it was an effect of the GameStop thing because all the short sellers, they have to cover their shorts. They right. use Apple and the other big stocks that they've made a lot of money as ATM machines. They bar mm -hmm. they sell their they sell their winners to pay for these shorts. So. The whole—that's the reason the whole market went down. There could be when uh, this thing uh, went up. There, this this could 
really cause a cataclysm in the markets. I, I tell you, I've been reading. Um, I just finished The Big Short. Michael Great Lewis book. is uh, wonderful. Uh, yeah, incredible. Yeah. And I was getting the same vibe. It felt like credit default swaps all over again. There's something really big happening. It's not being regulated properly. It it's out Agreed. of control. And um, I just I fear we're there's something bad coming down the pike, and I don't know what it is. The big yeah, short I mean, I, was Michael Lewis's book about the 2008. Uh, yeah, crash. and 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 there have been because of of what happened there, there were some regulation changes around naked short selling. But I mean, look, I I agree. I think that the fact that you can short more than is available has been a big red flag. And if if this is what it takes to close those sorts of loopholes, I, I think it's all about it. You know, I, I'm not against. Um, like, but don't you think what'll happen is that the regulation will impact Reddit, but not the hedge funds? Don't you? Uh, think well, it depends. Probably, probably. I mean, that look. I think we all know we're kind of in a rigged system, or we all should. Uh, but it might impact, you know, some of the, the the smaller hedges too. I mean, it might fundamentally change some of those things. I would say this though, and I'd be curious what what Alex and, and Philip think of this. I don't think that after all this shakes out, and who knows how long it'll last. I don't know if this is the sort of thing that will be repeatable again. I do feel like there's going to be either regulation from the SEC or more to the point there are going to be rules that the market makers and that the brokerage firms take into account that will prevent this exact set of circumstances from ever occurring again. Not to say that there won't be bigger maybe regulatory changes, but I feel like this is one of those. How do you stop it? Yeah. Well, the, the SEC steps in. Yeah, but how, what yeah. does – Alex, what does the SEC do – you, yeah, so say, you can't not, post memes on this. Reddit. Exactly. They should Look, ban uh, the rocket ship emoji. I mean, what do they do? One thing that we should talk about a little bit is what Robinhood did to the world of trading. Uh, yes. Because if you go back uh, to the old days, to the 80s, uh, you would, I think, actually call your broker up and ask them to make a trade for you. And then we had right. discount brokers in the 90s that let you trade for seven, eight, ten bucks uh, per trade, which at the time felt revolutionary because it was so much cheaper, so much faster. The, the everyday person could trade. Robinhood came along and said, well, now you can trade for free and we'll give you access to options, which lets you make uh, more highly Terrible. leveraged uh, It's bets. so easy Terrible. on Robinhood Terrible. to yep. risk everything by, by bar, essentially playing mar on margin, right? So yeah. uh, I've always been kind of against Robinhood because I think Robinhood takes advantage of investors who don't understand – that in effect, you know, Robinhood's not the market maker. They go to a market maker. Exactly. And the market maker and Robinhood make money not on commission, but in a kind of more devious way on the spread. So you're mm -hmm. not getting the best price for a stock. Um, right. So I've always felt like Robinhood kind of. Well, in a, a gamifies things. Shady. Well, and it gamifies things. Yeah, and it gamifies things. I think in a really bad way. I mean, I think you can argue, and I would argue that zero dollar zero fee trades are not a good thing. I think that well, it it lowers the risk to a point where, or lowers the, the, too easy. the barrier to the entry, cost. where people yeah. are doing stuff that they shouldn't but be they doing. Are, but and, Alex, am I am I not am I right that you're in a way it's it's expensive to use Robinhood? You'd be better off to use a uh, 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 pay commission. Am I wrong? Yes on that? and no. Yeah, yes and no. So what uh, what we're talking about is payment for order flow. And uh, the way Robinhood manages to offer you trades for $0 for no commission is that they then route those trades to different market makers who pay them for the, the volume. Because they want to see those... all these trades because 
Right. That's an insight into what the market's doing, and they can make money. They see it. They see it a millisecond before, and that's long enough for them to get the other side of the trade. And they, make money. they they are they do arbitrage on it. Is that right, Alex? And if you, yes. Yeah, and if you want to understand Citadel. this better, there's another Michael Lewis book called Flash Boys, I which I would it. recommend Fantastic everyone book. who wants to, to read into this. It, it, it's great. Uh, but now, for the average person, if you're going to go on Robinhood and buy three shares of Apple, two shares of IBM, and one share of Microsoft, just to make Christina happy, uh, then you're totally <laughs> fine. Because you're going to hold on to those for the next five years and whatever. If you lost a penny on one side of the trade or the other, it doesn't, doesn't particularly matter. matter. Yeah. But Robinhood doesn't make a lot of money on payment for order flow from trading well-known stocks. They make a little bit more money on trading less well-known stocks. And they make a lot of money on people trading options. Those are the things yep. that get the most payment per trade in order of flow. So Robinhood's torn between two things. One, offering people things that make them lots of money, aka options, and keeping their users protected from their own worst interests, which is – Kind of what options let you do is make a lot of very large mistakes. Uh, the difference between now and a year ago when we were all watching Wall Street bets when it was just nerds losing money is that it seems to be much more widespread. Uh, my yep. friends are talking to me about this. People are people I don't even know are sending me DMs asking for advice about how to trade AMC stock. I mean, my gosh, that that does scare me. So there's yeah. a question of access. There's a question of price. There's a question of who has, who gets to do this. And then also the popularity of it. Uh, which seems to be the new factor to me. And, you know, Philip and, and Leo talking about regulation, maybe, but I don't know how you manage to put the cork back in the bottle of people wanting to do this when it's free. And I think it flows around regulation. Uh, and yeah, this is, although, this is my overall think- concern, and it's not about the stock market. It's with this mob, these, these, these flash mobs that can be created so quickly, so powerfully by the new social media makes me very concerned. Today, it's the stock market. Tomorrow, it could be you or me. It could be, let's all take down uh, Exxon. I mean, it could be anything, right? Then it's very powerful. And and uh, I'll tell you, once you see people making all this money, whether they will make it or not, because, you know, who knows how deep effing value gets out of his position. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but if they make a lot of money, then everybody goes, wow, and let's do that again. All you have to do is look at Bitcoin to see how this mentality propagates, self-propagates, right? Well, it's really? interesting what, you mentioned what, Bitcoin because of the Do- have you guys followed the Dogecoin the Dogecoin, stuff? same thing. I, uh, I almost got sucked into that. And then in the clear light of day, I was fortunately like I was not able to get in and buy Dogecoin and I'm so so glad I didn't. But even me, who's been like, cautioning people about this just because I see that I think so many regular people are going to lose their money and that's what really concerns me. I don't care about the hedge funds. I care less about them. I care about like regular people who are investing, you know, at, at 200 Yeah, but they're going to look at you and saying, oh, come on. Uh, this We're sticking it to the man. We're going to make I mean, money. You just, uh, well, well you, they, they're going to think that until they go broke. And, and that, that's you just want to protect me. the status quo. Well, I mean, I just want to. I just don't want normal people who've bought in at two hundred dollars a share to lose all their money. That that's much, my concern. How much Dogecoin, John? Did uh, Father Robert have? He had two million Dogecoin. Let's go wow. see how much that's worth. <laughs> he yeah, sold it when say. it was like worth a thousand bucks. I mean, it cost him nothing, right? Uh, so right. Well, he felt happy to thousand. That's the other totally. problem. There's a couple of problems. You got to be able to sell. You got to know when to sell. You got to be able to do it. And finally, don't forget, you're going to be paying taxes on this <laughs> come next April. Uh, <laughs> so there's something else that I bet you some of these people have forgotten. I, I feel like there's a lot of naivete as well, right? Because anybody can do this. 
Go ahead, yeah, Alex. Like there's, there's a lot of naivete and also just a, a lot of risk. If you're listening to this and you're thinking about jumping in, probably don't. And I, I'm not here to give investment advice, but we're talking about people making the riskiest possible trades in pursuit of aggressive short-term gains. There is no such thing as a free lunch. You're probably late to the trade. By the time we hear about it, even we're probably too late. Uh, you know, but most people don't listen to that. People are very greedy. And so people are going to make mistakes. And Christina's concerns of people losing their money is very real. I, you know, it's all people making choices. So it's hard to be too mad about it. But, um, you know, don't put your rent money into uh, options on Robinhood, please. Okay. I'm going to ask all three of you, then we're going to move on. What happens next week? Alex, what happens next week? So the crazy thing is, um, it, this this could stay afloat longer than people think. There's an old joke that the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. And I think we could be in one of those situations. Alternatively, Monday morning, it could crash to $4 a share. Uh, my only guess is that it's going to be very interesting to watch. And I'm going to be very busy again next week, which makes me mad in advance because I'm already tired. <laughs> but, uh, this is, I, you, how many stories did you file this week on TechCrunch about this? I mean, 75 million stories. <laughs> nonstop. What happens to Robinhood? Are they, is this it for Robinhood? Robinhood, are they out of business? No, definitely not. No. Uh, this has been an enormous branding opportunity for Robinhood. So even though they've lost brand equity with their current user base, they shot to like the absolute top of the app store. I mean, where does Robinhood want to be? At the top of the app store. Right. So I think they're going to be okay. They have a lot of work to do to figure out their financials. And we didn't get into the the money they just raised and why and all that. And it's a little bit technical, but they seem to have access to capital. They've never had a bigger brand and the market seems to be moving in their direction. So it's the it's reason, by the way, they would, they said you can only buy one share is because there is a, uh, a, a law requiring them to back the, uh, cover the, those purchases. So they need a certain amount of reserves. That's why they had to raise money to cover those purchases. Uh, they, it wasn't that they were trying to protect Wall Street or the hedge funds. No. They literally, no. they just couldn't buy as much stock as people wanted to buy because they didn't have the resources to do it. Because they're not adequately capitalized right. to be in this game, right. frankly. Right. Right. The, and basically, the, you know, the market, what's it called, GameStop, has been turned into a cryptocurrency. Yes. So it's, it's completely divorced from its value, from its fundamental value. And what it does in the market could go, it could be anything. You know, I, it, I, nobody can predict. We'll, because we'll there's nothing out. to tie it to. Any more than yeah. you could say Bitcoin will be at 40000 or $5 tomorrow. You, there's yes. nothing to tie it to. It's just whatever people pay. But isn't kind of the stock market that way anyway? We assume some sort of rationality. But uh, <laughs> except for dividends, the value of the stock is really just tied to what people will pay you for it, right? Or, well, there, there, are, there, there is a fundamental value. No, I know. People say, well, I'm paying attention to fundamentals. And maybe that informs what people will pay for it. Although we've just had a very strong example of how it could, it might not as well. Um, I know, to my in my in my mind, you know, I mean, apparently Roaring Kitty was a value investor before this happened. <laughs> <laughs> I think Leo, you're making a good point. Like uh, we always joke that stocks are worth today the net present value of their future cash flows, or whatever the, the the phrase is. It's a bit of a joke. We've seen, for example, in the, the world of technology companies, the value of software revenues go up dramatically. Yeah. And now for my friends who work at Microsoft and I have are a very few, happy. 
they're very happy because their stock's been going up quite nicely for several years now. But uh, we don't know if these new higher prices for software revenues are going to be held by history or if they're going to go down back to kind of where they were. Um, but certainly those gyrations will be minute and modest compared to what we've seen with deep effing value in GameStop and so forth. Um, but uh, I compared it fun. I compared it, uh, Philip, to poker. Uh, if you're a poker professional and you sit down at a table it's a little bit easier to play other experts because you could say, oh, he's tight, he's loose. I, you know, you can start to figure out what every person's strategy. But somebody like me comes and sits down at the table who has no idea what he's doing is, is actually scary because I'm unpredictable. I could be, be- but, I could, I could bet up a hand. I could, if I have enough chips, I'm scary, and I think that's kind it, of what's going on right now. Is the professionals who say, no, 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 we got to, got to look at market fundamentals. You got to look at the, are, are going. Oh my God, these are crazy people. They're crazy people, and there are a lot of them. So many that they've completely moved this market. That's got to scare the hell out of them. Now, Leo, uh, there, it, when you sit down at the poker table, when you leave, they'll have your chips. <laughs> it's like in rounders. Look Have around. Have you seen me play, Philip? If, you, know if you don't know who the if you don't know who the fish is, then you're you the fish. You don't know who the market you, you are. Yeah, yeah. So, Philip, what you you say it's unpredictable. We don't know what's going to happen next week. Right. It's a cryptocurrency. Christina, what do you think? What's going to happen next week? SEC going to move in. Martha Stewart's going to go to jail. What's going to happen next week? <laughs> I mean, that is sort of the funny thing, right? Martha, Martha went to jail uh, sensibly for, for a lot. Well, I mean, she, she took a plea. For the teeniest, she, weeniest insider it, trading. It's for the dumbest thing ever, but she took a plea and she didn't want to hurt her business. She Honestly, she's like, she's hardcore. But I have no idea. I, I really thought that this would have dropped off already, so I'm not even going to make any predictions. I'm, I'm with Philip and Alex. Like, this is just so unpredictable. Um, it, it could fall. It could continue to rise. It could fall apart Monday morning. I think it'll be really interesting. I think it, I will only push think I'll push back on. I do think there's a slight difference between some of this and like a cryptocurrency. At this point, I do feel like fairly or unfairly, Bitcoin has proven some sort of value, whether it's the value that it currently has amassed or not. I, I don't know, but there has been people who are willing to give it some sort of inherent level of value. Whereas I look at something like GameStop and it really does seem to be fueled by the mob who were wanting to stick it to the man, the man who's trying to make money on the edges, and then just the cultural, you know, insanity of the moment where even people who don't have any sort of, you know, persuasion one way or another are not wanting to be left out, you know, the the, the, the YOLO factor. So I have no idea, honestly. I think it's really interesting that Wall Street Bets is saying hold. Um, well, of course they are. Uh, and, and I think that the people should be careful listening to anybody on the Internet about like what financial decisions they should make. Uh, and that includes obviously all of us and none of us are financial yeah, advisors. Please. But please. but yeah, but, but I think that anybody should be really careful about like taking advice from these things. I also think like Warren Kitty, actual like this was clever genius. Right. And I have I, I don't begrudge him in the slightest. I, I am a little bit uncomfortable with some of the other you know, people that I've seen who are making promises and are are trying to get the mob to to either force people into positions or keep them from making um, decisions that, that could be in their best interest. But I mean, Alex points out people have, you know, can make their personal choices. It, it will be interesting, I think, to see what happens with Robin Hood. Um, I, I, I agree with Alex insofar as I think that you know, this has been a great branding exercise for them. I also wonder what this does 
in terms of like their long term, like if this will be some sort of black mark for some of their users. And and I just don't know. I I'm not a fan of Robinhood. I I was uh, pretty against them when they did the whole fake checking account scandal. That that was one of those things where to me I was like, this is a scummy place. I don't like how easy they make it to work with options. But I also won't. I can't deny that they've had a fundamental impact on how people are making trades. That is more than likely going to outlast all of this and, and potentially be something that we see impacts from years into the future. According to Robinhood, uh, it's seeing f- about 56% hold right now on uh, GameStop. I guess if you really care about this stuff, you follow it closely and you figure it all out. Um I can't pretend to have any idea what's going on, and I'm just really glad that, I'm, that I have some mutual funds in my retirement, and that's it, <laughs> and that's all. Uh, so, somebody keeps asking, does this turn GameStop into a viable company somehow? No. No. They don't get anything out of this. Maybe the no, executives, that's the worst part of If the executives had some stock and they sold it, they might have made some money. Maybe some, I don't know if employees had stock, but it's not like next year GameStop is suddenly going to be every shop's going to be lined with gold or anything. It's not going to make any difference to them at all. No, although it's interesting, AMC was able to take some advantage of this. AMC, um, some of their debt collectors, they were able to borrow. Whatever, yeah, they were able to borrow. They, money were, on they erased. They erased yeah. like half a billion dollars in debt, which was yeah. good. And and then there were some BlackBerry executives who did sell. They more than likely had you know um, orders set you know to, to sell when it hit a certain price. So some of those executives. We're able to make trades. GameStop, though, it's kind of it's kind of sad. It's like there's nothing they, they are, can do. Yeah. There's there's nothing they can do, and yeah. um, you know, they're the hedge fund that owned it, that this predated all of this. There was a South Korean hedge fund that owned like five percent of GameStop, and they sold their whole position. So you know, there has been some movement in that. Um, I don't know, but that is kind of to me that's sort of the sad part is that you have this failing company who has a lot of fundamental problems, who has a lot of debt. And who their stock is now high flying and it doesn't seem like they're going to have any way to benefit from this. You know, I'm actually glad that AMC, which has been a beleaguered movie chain this close Mm -hmm. to bankruptcy, that COVID just practically has put them out of business, was able to use this to actually buy themselves some time. And they they may well survive, which is great because I want to go to the movies when this is all over. Same, same. Yeah. So at least there's (laughs) some good came out of it. It's just, I'm just so glad I'm, I'm, you know, I'm finally on Twitter and we're talking about something that I understand. Like, yeah, no. I come on here and everyone's like, we're going to talk about cybersecurity for two hours. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm on the wrong week. <laughs> finally, you're on the right week, baby. I'm so happy. You are now, I was on about Apple so I can be quiet for half an hour. No, no, no. I'm just I'm thrilled to have all three of you. Um, Alex Wilhelm, of course, from TechCrunch, Christina Warren, who for years covered Apple. But she's now working at Microsoft as a senior cloud advisor or advocate. And uh, Philip Elmer DeWitt, who is uh, kind of the dean of Apple journalists, PED30.com. And we will get to Apple. Old guy. The old guy. The dean just means the old guy, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You and me. You and <laughs> We're me, the old yeah. guys. <laughs> and, and city councilor. Let's not forget that in Greenfield, Massachusetts. So, yeah. you know, we got he's got some... Esquire. He's uh, your honor. I'll call you your honor from now on. (laughs) Uh, Our show today brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you want to save money, this just look at your cell phone bill. It's kind of shocking. I bet you a lot of us, we just don't even look at it because we know it's way out of control. It's like breathtaking sometimes. This is a great time to save some money 
by getting rid of that crazy cell phone bill and go to Mint Mobile. Why are you still sp spending insane amounts of money for wireless when you could switch, get premium wireless service? You won't even, when I tell you the price, you're going to think you misheard it. Unlimited nationwide talk, unlimited nationwide text, high speed 5 or 4G data, depending on your phone and where you are, as low as $15 a month. You didn't hear that wrong. $15 a month. By going online only, eliminating the retail stores, the brick and mortar, Mint Mobile, it can save a ton of money and they pass that along to you. You can bring your own phone if you want. They've got a little checker on the website. You can see if your phone's compatible. If it works with T-Mobile, it is. Uh, then you just they'll send you a SIM at no cost. I love that. Everybody else charges you. Uh, put it in there. You, you're, all your phone is the same. You keep your contacts. You can even transfer your phone number over. Port it over. Easy peasy. And, of course, if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with a seven-day money-back guarantee. Mint Mobile is kind of amazing. Uh, I did the $15 introductory plan for a while. Liked it so much, I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the $300 plan. That's $300 for a year. So I pay $25 a month, and I get 12 gigabytes of data a month. I never go through that. They even have an unlimited plan, just a little bit more, but a lot less than you're paying now. <clears throat> I'm actually paying a third what I was paying T-Mobile. Get your new wireless plan for just $15 a month. Get the plan shipped to your door for free. They have great phones, too. If you want an iPhone SE, you get a great price. Cut your wireless bill to as low as $15 a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash twit. Mintmobile.com slash twit. Premium wireless for 15 bucks a month. Unlimited talk and text. High-speed data on the nation's largest 5G network. Mintmobile.com slash twit. Thank you, Mint Mobile, for supporting twit. Thank you for supporting twit by using that special address. 15 bucks a month, mintmobile.com slash twit. I just got to ask, why would anybody pay more? That's an amazing deal. <clears throat> I kind of want to keep talking about GameStop. It's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of infinitely fascinating to me. There's no shortage of topics on it because it's social, it's modern fintech, it's uh, the little guy versus the big guy. Everyone in Congress is talking about it. Um, I mean, it's made CNBC interesting. I mean, what what can this one story not do? There's something literally for everybody. It's perfect. <laughs> There's nothing this I, story can't do. It's going to be I an amazing HBO series. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. The, the AOC uh, Twitter exchange with um, that horrible Texas senator I won't even name. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, <Yes>. I did. <laughs> she she said we have to do something about this. He said I completely agree. And she said I don't need any help from someone who's trying to murder me. <laughs> did you Step see – actually AOC actually uh, – this is I thought a very interesting trend. Uh, Congresswoman Alexia uh, Alexander, <laughs> it's easier to say AOC, isn't it? Alexandria yeah. Ocasio Cortez on Twitch, uh, talking GameStop and Reddit uh, with the YouTuber, the stock guy. Three hours, three hundred thousand people watched, even though about half of it was trying to figure out why her camera wouldn't focus. Right. Right. Um, She's one of us. She's having tech problems with her live Honestly, stream Honestly, I think in a way that's actually good, right? She looks like a normal person, which she is. Yeah. I mean, Leo, she played um, – what's that game that was popular? Among Us. Among Us. Uh, yes. Switch yeah. a month or two ago. And, like, everyone turned out. AOC is a wizard 
of using modern communication tools to resonate with kind of the population like her politics or not. I don't know why people keep trying to dunk on her on Twitter like like uh, the senator did because it consistently blows up in their face and they keep doing it. Yeah. She, she owns on Twitter. Four times. Yeah, don't mess don't, <laughs> don't mess with AOC on Twitter. Uh <clears throat> So actually, Jessica Lesson in the information, it's, you know, it's behind a paywall, so probably uh, I'm the only one who read it. But it says, the nightmare awaiting the news industry. She talks about this. She says, as journalists, we should start being worried because you know what's happening? And Trump certainly was brilliant at this. Politicians are going straight to the people. No intermediation. They're going straight to the people. And they're talking about what they want to talk about, true or false. No one's there to, you know, to 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 in, intermediate to say, oh, wait a minute, that's not true. Nothing, which could be good or bad. Um, she says most people are going to get information directly from the source, with no chance for journalists or even non-journalists to push back and question them. The result is propaganda, not news. It's everywhere. She also says, I'm worried about how readers and now this is. Some might say old media, although Jessica Lesson is not exactly old media. She's old media like Alex Wilhelm is old media. But uh, Ouch. <laughs> or I'm old media. I, I qualify. Um, but but this is interesting. I think is more than that. She says, I'm worried about how readers and listeners are going to decide who to get their information from. I fear they're going to be wooed by personality influenced by their own belief system. This is me again being a little chicken little saying, you know, these are larger trends that worry me a little bit. On the other hand, I, I think it's kind of interesting. The president was able to talk directly for four years, directly to his constituency. It proved an incredibly valuable tool for him. Now AOC is starting to use Twitch to talk directly to not just her New York constituency, but to a national audience. And if somebody has national aspirations i'm sure she does this is extremely powerful and it it kind of says out of the way and i think we're moving to the news organization i think we're moving in that direction i think people are getting more and more disgruntled with mainstream media aren't they is it something well, to be concerned about philip yeah absolutely well mainstream media lost its business uh when you know when they lost their classified advertising so they're they're it's like an already weakened beast i in i'll give you an example small town newspaper we still have one in in greenfield the greenfield recorder but and they you know they cover the news and they but they're so slow and and it's like done in the letters and the they miss big stories all the all the actual political conversation is going on in Facebook, uh, and it's not a good thing because it's the town has divided into the all yeah. the Trumpies are in one board and all the liberals on on another, and they don't talk to each other. And they and it's you know tr Trump was able to talk directly to the people, and look how that turned out. Well, it just depends, right, on who it is. I mean, uh, you know, you might, if you like Trump, like, be happy about that. If you like AOC, you might be happy about that. I'm a little worried. Do you still have a city council reporter on the Greenfield Recorder? Is there somebody who sits yeah. in the meetings? Because we don't have well, one we, in Petaluma. We don't, we don't have meetings. We we have uh, WebEx. You have Zoom yeah. calls. <laughs> and, and the reporter oh, gosh, shows WebEx. up. Reporters do show up. But you're lucky. They show up for the big one. You're lucky because yeah. I think there are a lot of towns that nobody's covering that local news. Uh, somebody was telling me, and I think it's probably true, that sites like uh, nextdoor.com 
are becoming the the news sources for small towns for neighborhoods. And I it, started I started the next door in Park Slope, Brooklyn. And I still get messages for, saying, would, would you please uh, adjudicate this thing? People are complaining that someone is becoming political on next door. I'm leaving it alone, but you can more and more of those complaints are surfacing. Uh, people are using next door to out or to accuse or to shut down their neighbor. Um, and well, and there's, you know, I'm you know not there's sure, not sure that's new, in some places then, there's overt racism. You know, there was a uh oh, there was a black guy walking in my neighborhood last night, and like it, it can actually turn into a tinderbox. This stuff. So I'm not look. I'm not going to be the guy who's going to defend the old way of doing things. I mean, uh, when when the internet started, I'm sure you remember this, Philip. We were all very excited about the democratic nature of it. Everybody's going to get a voice the free flow of information. This is all going to be very positive. And that's kind of what we're seeing. But it isn't always positive. I don't want to go back to the gatekeepers. Does that that's not the way to solve this. I, I feel well, it's not terrible. Possible. Yeah, it's not I feel happen. terrible about about the the promoting I did of the internet at Time Magazine. <laughs> did, did cover stories about you have, our generation, <laughs> Philip, has such guilt. <laughs> and and to see what it turned into, um, uh, I don't know what to say. It's it's terrible. I, it's terrible. Philip, can I can I try to make you feel better? Because okay. I, I think a little perspective here is going to make us all a little bit happier. One, to Leo's point about AOC on Twitch, to me, this feels like presidents on radio back in the day. Yes. It feels super That's why Roosevelt really did his fireside chats. He wanted to talk exactly. directly to the people. And it was very exactly. effective. And, and, you know, thinking about what's going to happen to local media, we're going to eventually, as a society, figure something out. I don't know what that's going to be. But the Internet gave everyone a voice. And it turns out many people are very dumb and they use their voice <laughs> to say dumb things. That's not really new. We're just hearing more from those I just people. So, I'm but so worried. The, you know, uh, the, there was the vaccination program in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium yesterday was shut down by anti-vaxxers who organized, no doubt, online, who actually went and blocked the entrance. And they, they actually stopped people from getting vaccines. That scares the hell out of me. Uh, I agree with that entirely. Now, the optimistic thing that I want to bring up, though, is that think about the Internet has brought us. We are currently mostly at home. Leo, I know you're in the studio. I'm very jealous you could delete the house. Uh, but the Internet has brought us together during this time that would have been oh, I agree. fantastically dull. Oh, if we imagine. Were just, More than imagine dull. That. People would have been in solitary confinement. There would have been suicides. Yep. There would have been nut cases. There would have been axe murders. There would have been all sorts of problems. Much yeah. worse than we're currently seeing. And also yeah. the internet has allowed for a, a, a wave of creativity in music and film and, and short video and poetry and even things like fanfic. And so there, there's been a brilliant uh, amount of uh, creative freedom that I think we take for granted when we discuss the negative things the internet has brought to us in terms of mass communication and so forth. But here's the the, the flip that I want to throw in and then I'll shut up. But like uh, we, we talk a lot about going gatekeeper free. And inside the technology media where I live, there's a lot of discussions about venture capitalists going directly to their, quote, audience uh, and bypassing the journalistic, um, you know, media uh, entirely. And people ask me about this. And the short answer is it's a very small minority of people that have the pull to be able to go around the gatekeepers and generate their own footprint. Uh, it's AOC in Congress. It's Andreessen Horowitz in the venture capital community. It's Elon Musk in the car community, et cetera. It's a very small number of people. So it's and still so I don't think we're the big voices. But then there's yeah, but then there's people like Roaring Kitty or 
you know, name any YouTuber. There's lots of small people who have got a big voice, outsized voice all of a sudden. Yeah, but to yeah. get there, it's rare, right? Like, it's not a guaranteed thing, I no. think. It's like anything else. Is that is it that you have the few who get lucky or who are able to, you know, capture the attention and kind of jump on that that rocket ship? And I mean, that's... To be, tr- to be fair, that's true of like traditional kind of media places too, right? There are plenty of people who want to be that, you know, uh, you know, voice of record and, and aren't, right? And so a lot of it just be- – I think that you have the ability to maybe have that happen, but the chances of it happening are still extremely small. The Andreessen Horowitz story is interesting. A, a lesson pulls that up in the information, too. That you're talking, Alex, about the fact that this big venture capital firm, which is run partly by Mark Andreessen, the – guy who created Netscape, has decided, screw it. We're just going to publish our own stuff, our own podcasts, our own stories. We're going to become a media company. And well, it's not a media company in the way that you and I think about it, Leo. What they're doing is building an, a very large um, kind of like paid publication for themselves. And so it's going to be always positive about their stuff. It's going to represent their point of view. But I think people might uh, read it thinking it's journalism when it's not. It's actually flacking their investments presumably right how how media ignorant is the average person or media illiterate and i I don't know the answer to that i'm not making a rhetorical point i actually don't know are people going to be unable to discern the difference between andreessen talking up their own book which is fine doesn't bother me and uh what i mean not to be mean but what i do all day if if they can't am i failing or are they dumb i think they can tell the difference i think you're right i hope i I mean if not idiocracy here we come if media literacy is that low and then you know and this brings us back to the whole GameStop thing about being able to trust (laughs) online information uh but if people are that stupid maybe we deserve what we get maybe we failed ourselves maybe this is uh i don't i i'm not gonna be that fatalistic i think we could try to make it better (laughs) (laughs) we're all screwed you deserve it have a great life Bye bye. I was trying to be positive, but then we, we came up again. I realized I flipped sides. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Philip should do something else. No, but I, comp- I, you know, and Jeff Jarvis would normally uh, take this role on uh, Twig, which is very important to, to say, look, there's so much benefit from the internet. You know what? The internet is just like life. It's made of people. S- people can be horrifically awful. They can be angelically, amazingly beautiful, and, and it's sometimes it's the same person, f- one minute to the next. It, it, that's how life is. And so I wouldn't expect the internet to be any different. It's just, Although it scares it, me because it's, it's so hu- powerful. It's a huge amplifier. Yeah. Uh, and that's what makes it scary. Yeah, I agree. Maybe it's just us, us old guys that are worried about it. Alex and uh, Christina are... Uh, they love it. They're they digital it. natives. Well, we, well, well, we don't really know. We don't really remember. I mean, we remember the, <laughs> the world before it, but we don't, right? right. Like, Like... Like we interacted with the world before the internet, but like we came of age online. Like I, I literally like grew up online. So and and Alex is younger than me, so he did too. So I think that and then there are kids now who literally, you know, and and it's, it, there's a generation of them already. They're in college who literally, you know, were born and never didn't have access to any of this stuff. So interestingly, at least I look at my 18 year old. They don't, and actually even my 20 uh, somethings. They don't watch TV. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> they watch YouTube. Right. Yeah. Um, their me their too. media diet is completely different. Unrecognizably different. 
for even from yours, uh, Christina and Alex. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, I think Alex and I, we have to like keep up with like the youths, you know what I mean? Like we have to like kind of get ourselves into that mode. At least I do. Alex might not, he might be like totally native and, and hip with it, but like, I definitely have to be, I have to like stay on my toes. I have to like stay on my toes to be, you know, on, uh, up to date. I don't even try with TikTok. I, I'm, I have my own versions of TikTok that I'm into, but I don't even try, you know, with the, the various versions and stuff, but I watch a lot of YouTube and, and I talk to friends of mine who have younger kids or, or kids who are teenagers and, and hear about the stuff that they're doing and watching. And it, yeah, it is completely different than the sorts of stuff I interact with. But do you think QAnon um, would be as widespread and as powerful if it weren't for Facebook? No. Agreed. But, it wasn't the think, invention but, of mass panic, right? I mean, right. I mean, like we we've had mass panics before. Oh, okay. no, conspiracy uh, theories I, are nothing new. No, no. Here's what's different about Facebook is that Facebook, with the the with the the death of the you know like al- like of of the chronological feed and the moving into algorithms that recommend you similar content and re- and the reinforcement loop of showing you the same types of things over and over again. That's, I think, the difference. And that's the thing I think that, uh, you know, we should be critical of big tech for. It's not so much the, the fact that the platform or the mediums have been used to spread messages that have existed since the dawn of time. It's the fact that they have started to reinforce those messages by changing the way the algorithm works to double down on engagement because that's what their investors or other people wanted to see from them as opposed to anything else. And, and that has had, I think, some pretty catastrophic um, circumstances. I mean, and, it, and it's not just QAnon. I mean, even you, you look at like the the actual genocide and the things that happened in Myanmar, which right, Facebook yes. aided with, right? right? And again, it comes down to the algorithm and reinforcing and showing more and more of that information. You can see it with what was happening on WhatsApp in India and, and that sort yep. of thing. And that I think is the the thing that is that is dangerous. Not so much that Facebook exists and that you have this platform. It's when you have these platforms, which on the one hand claim to not have a finger on like the scale, but on the other hand, they absolutely do by optimizing for engagement and reinforcing, you know, whatever your persuasion is one way or another. And that's something we haven't seen to this degree that we didn't have even with cable news, right? It's like you didn't have. Uh, an always changing, you know, uh, cable news diet where as you're watching it, you did, you had to change channels if you wanted to see a different perspective. It wasn't as if you can keep it on one channel and it'll continue to show you the same things over and over again, you know, bringing you into different types of content and different types of feeds that you might not have been exposed to or been drawn to otherwise. Yeah. Can I ask a question about that? The engagement algorithm, the, the you know, Google and Facebook are in the spotlight in Washington now. Um, do, do you think uh, the engagement algorithms are going to be tampered with by government? I don't know. I mean, that's certainly I, I, one I, one fix would be to say turn off the algorithms. I mean, I think if you look at YouTube and Facebook. The problem they the trouble they get into a lot of it seems to me to come from the fact that they're optimizing for engagement. The algorithm is yeah. optimizing for engagement. If you turned off the algorithm, Facebook would be what we were told it was, which right. is our friends and family and the things they post. And that's what you would kind of want Facebook to be. It's not that because of the algorithm. YouTube's recommendation engine right. is reprehensible, I think, in a lot of cases. So I mean, I'll say this. I would be much more comfortable if that were the direction that the government went in than the Breaking attempts up. to yeah. 
either breaking them up or, or to me, the bigger concern is is trying to repeal Section 230. Repealing That's Section 230 is, yeah. is, to me, bad for everyone. Yes. And, and yes. that seems to be the direction people want to go in saying, oh, well, this is how we stop this information. I don't think it is. I, also, I think it's, it's dangerous on lots of levels. So if there were going to be government intervention, and I'm always kind of wary of it because I, I don't think that our politicians understand tech well enough at all, um, uh, I, I would be much more open to them having to change or shut down the algorithms rather than repealing 230 and then, you know, forcing a much heavier hand in what can be what sorts of content can be posted. Because I'm not opposed yeah. I'm not opposed to the content existing. I'm opposed to the content being shown to you and reinforced over and yes. over again. Exactly. And reinforced, yeah. I there there have been some, and I think this is really interesting. In fact, Twitter's moving along this line, who've suggested that what government should do is op- say, open your APIs. Uh, Twitter's looking at the idea of federating. I w- this would solve the Twitter problem, in my opinion, uh, by which I mean other people could run Twitters, and you could follow, you could be on somebody's Twitter and follow other people on other people's Twitter. This is kind of what Mastodon is. Uh, if Twitter opened up their API and allowed federation, if Facebook opened up their API and there could be many Facebooks, I think that by itself would fix the problem. But to mandate that would be, for the government's point of view, really putting your fingers in the gears. I mean, you'd essentially devalue those multi-billion dollar companies tremendous it's more than that leo you would kill tiktok um so mm-hmm. yesterday uh i have a friend who's on tiktok and she makes tiktoks and i'm a fan of her it's on i love on occasion just to watch her stuff love yeah it. and i was showing my spouse this and i pulled up my phone and i just clicked on tiktok and she'd never seen it before and if you don't know tiktok just starts playing videos for you like you yeah. open it up and it starts it's all algorithmic she, yep right and she was mm-hmm. like wait did we pick that i'm like no it's just the way it works TikTok is an algorithm that people have plugged content into. And so if you take yep. away the algorithm, TikTok becomes, I, I don't know what, bad YouTube? Like it doesn't work. Yeah. And so when we talk yeah, about this right. sort of thing, it, it's hard to think about the more modern platforms being de algorithm because Facebook used to be time series, like Twitter used to be. And uh, modern stuff isn't like that. So I, I don't know what the internet and the app economy looks like sans an algorithm, but at a minimum, telling people how these algorithms work seems like a reasonable step. That, open that, open up an API. Say no so you could sure. have the algorithm. Um, hmm. Yeah, you you know, but I don't have a problem with making TikTok less compelling or YouTube yet less compelling <laughs> if the way they are being compelling is by this kind of algorithmic uh, escalation. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, if, you know, whoever controls the algorithm has huge power. And if you're worried about TikTok as the government used to be, I don't know what the current status of TikTok is. But if you're worried about the Chinese government using TikTok to propagandize the youths of America, uh, the way they would do it is through the algorithm, right? So, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I think they're worried about TikTok sucking up your uh, data your email address. Worse yeah. than Facebook? No, I think they were. I think TikTok was a pawn in a trade war. And, yeah, no, that's really and, and what it was. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I think that's really what it was. It was a pawn in a trade war, and then people lost interest, and who knows even how it was all resolved. So, I, I think. I, it's do you guys remember that day, that time when all of a sudden yes. Trump decided that he was going to make them sell TikTok, and he demanded that the U.S. Treasury he wanted an cut. enormous cut. Yep. He wanted like, a cut. <laughs> it was the biggest story in the world for weeks, and then all of a sudden he forgot about it because yeah. something else it's happened, and then we just stopped talking about it. 
You know, I don't know about you, but I'm still suffering PTSD from the last four years. I don't. I'd appreciate it if you don't remind me. Could we do? Right. Could you do a trigger warning next time? Uh, content warning, everybody. I'm gonna make a Trump joke. Seriously. Oh uh, my Seriously. gosh, it has I've, been. It's been. A, it's been a couple of years, guys. Yeah. It's been hard. <laughs> We're all very tired. All right, let's take a little break. Uh, I do want to get to the Apple results. We'll do that next. Philip Elmer Dewitt's here. He is the dean of Apple journalism, and a city council member. He is also at PED30.com, his website. Has that been going well? Yes. And, I, you know, if you want, I can tell you about my business model and how it's changed. I, yeah, I would love story. to hear about that. This was a big deal. You left uh, mainstream Fortune. media, Fortune, and yep. said, I'm going to do my own thing. And, uh, you know, that's what Jessica Lesson did. Uh, in a way, I guess that's what I've done. Um, and that's a ballsy thing to do. It's a tough thing to do. I'm just glad to hear it. You were 28 years at Time Magazine. Yep. I'm just glad to hear that it's it's going well. Yeah, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Um, Christina Warren's here. She did another gutsy thing. She left New York City, moved to Seattle, got run over by a bus. <laughs> <laughs> but she's, she's a survivor. She's a survivor. <laughs> Senior cloud advocate at Microsoft. She wears the best sneakers you've ever seen. Just... Are you wearing some now? Are you wearing some? Uh... No, I'm barefoot right now. No off whites. No Jordan no off whites. No, no oh. off whites right now. No, I'm barefoot right now. I'll uh, I'll, I'll put them on afterwards and um then put them on Instagram. <clears throat> I or feel something. like my quarantine outfit should be easy slides, maybe some uh, some sweats. I could, yep. Yeah, I could be pretty totally. relaxed. Yeah, <laughs> wearing seven thousand dollar rubber shoes, <laughs> and <laughs> also with us. Uh, Alex Wilhelm, uh, he is at TechCrunch. I love all three of you. Somebody in the chat room is saying this is a great panel for Twit, and I agree. I agree. Uh, really, truth is, I don't do these shows for you, ladies and gentlemen. I do them for me. I just like to get together with some really interesting people and talk about stuff. I'm just glad you like to listen, and I appreciate it. Uh, we're also glad we have some great sponsors like this company. I want to give them a huge plug. Do you know that... The average amount of time it takes for a company to realize that there has been a data breach, that there are bad guys in the network, the average is 191 days. That's six months. Surely there's a better way there is. The Thinkst Canary. It's a honeypot that's easy to install, easy to set up, and a remarkable tool because it doesn't look like some little vulnerable thing on your network. It looks like it's real, a valuable router or switch or NAS server or Windows server or Linux box. It is awesome. Mine, we have one in the studio that's set up as a uh, Synology NAS. And it has a MAC address that's a Synology MAC address. It has the Synology login page. It looks completely real. But the minute a bad guy tries to log in or opens a file or browses the Active Directory and explores file shares... Boom, I get a, an alert, an alert that I can act upon right away, and I get the alert the way I want it. No false alarms. You get alerts by email or text message. There's a Canary console. You can set it up with Slack. It supports webhooks, which means you can set it up with practically anything. There's a syslog. I mean, you can have it right to your syslog. There's even an API. So you get to get those alerts the way you want it. But this is the uh, this is the point. No, never again will a bad guy roam your network without your knowledge. This is so key. There are canaries 
on all seven continents. That'll tell you something right there, including Antarctica. They're all over the world. These guys behind the Canary have been doing security for a couple of decades. They've trained companies and militaries and governments on how to break into networks. So they're really experts on this stuff. And so they built something that's that's just going to be so juicy for that bad guy. You could put fake files on them. You can enroll them in Active Directory. When you have a canary, you can even generate canary tokens. Actually, you could do it for free from their website, but I use it, I use the canary to do this. Tiny tripwires. They can look like PDFs or Word documents. I have some Excel spreadsheets that say things like employee payroll information spread around. The minute somebody opens them, boom, I get that alert. They're all designed to be trivial to deploy with a ridiculously high quality of signal. It's exactly what you want. Canary, right now, I want you to go to canary.tools slash twit. Canary.tools slash twit. You're going to get a special deal. I'll give you an example. You know, some companies have thousands. Some companies have a dozen. Some companies like ours have one. It's, or at least that's all I'm admitting to. Uh, here's, let's say you wanted five. That's a reasonable start. 7500 bucks a year. You get your own hosted console. You get upgrades automatically. You get support, maintenance. Anything goes wrong with your canary, if you sit on it, it's just a little box about the size of your smartphone. You sit on it. You break it. They just send you another one. If you use the code TWIT in the How Did You Hear About Us box, 10% off that price forever. Forever. And we know you're going to love your canary. Although I have to say the best thing about the canary is when it doesn't say anything at all because it means you're okay <laughs> if you're not happy though you can return your canaries they have a two-month money-back guarantee so for a full refund that is a really great deal two months canary refund if, if for any reason you're not thrilled with it this is such an important security device every company should have them. some banks have hundreds canary.tools slash twit enter the code twit and how did you hear about us box for that very nice 10% off forever, forever. I love them. Canary.tools slash twit. Very important part of your layered security in your enterprise. <sighs> Speaking of stocks, Apple stock went through the roof when everybody oh. bought on the rumor and then <laughs> the news came out and it, went, it plummeted a little bit, right? <laughs> but it was uh, it was a very good quarter for their... Uh, their holiday results, yeah, right? It, it it crushed Wall Street's estimates. It, there's a lot of great charts. Um, if you if you go to uh, five easy charts and scroll down, um, if you can pull that up, because uh, they they basically beat in every category in every country uh, the highest, the most bullish Wall Street. Uh, estimates uh, got blown away. Uh, and the stock actually didn't go up. <laughs> yeah, here we go. These are interactive. So, for example, quarterly revenue, and then you hit uh, the the up top there next to revenue, the year-over-year -year increase. Then you get to see the percentage change. Is this the right? No, you've got the wrong quarter. Right, this is Maybe really wrong because <laughs> this, this, this is Q4, this is, which was a crappy yeah, quarter because they didn't have anything. Yeah, their fiscal quarter ends. Uh, I'll go to the front page. It'll probably be in the latest post. Their fiscal quarter ends uh, this quarter, The the uh, or rather, yeah. th this is Q1. So the fiscal right. quarter Q1. ends in, uh, what is December. it, September. 
and the and and the fiscal, fiscal year, year ends in the- September. So this is the first quarter of their new fiscal year, which is the important one: the, October, November, December. And it's when the new phones are out, the new Macs are out, the new everything is out. So yeah, let me yeah let me get you. They your, were a little uh, the, the phones were a little late this year, um, but th- that didn't change sales. Um, and China. Which you know, which is very sensitive to a change. They they always want to be able to show off that they have the latest phone. So if the new phone looks like the old phone, they don't want it. Um, they also have China also has a very uh, um, their 5G network is completely deployed, so they're ready for these chips. Um, so and it, yeah, they, they, we don't have to see the charts, but that unfortunately. You know, um, yeah, maybe I just clicked on the or I don't know what's going on here. Maybe you got the wrong maybe, chart in the article. Maybe I got the wrong chart. Well, let's see. Q1, here they, it is. They, here it, it is. Yeah, it. yeah. You know what? Yeah. I did something wrong. So okay, year over year change. Whoa. It's the biggest ever. 21% growth from last year to this year. That's their revenue. The next one is earnings per share, which is propped up because they've been, whenever the stock goes down, they just... Pull buy up more a truck yeah, and yeah. buy more. Yeah. yeah, it's nice to have cash. Uh, yeah, yeah. Then Which, the by the way, revenue. I should. We should. I mean, if we're talking, we're talking stock market. I mean, let me ask you, Alex. Uh, when a company right. buys its own stock, doesn't it kind of artificially pump up the price? Well, it constrains the total uh, shares that are available. It's good and for investors because your your share is worth more, right? Right, because you have the same amount of earnings uh, with fewer shares, so earnings per share go up. Also, keep in mind that companies often compensate their employees uh, with stock. With stock. So there's a kind of a standard, a standard increase in the number of shares that are in the market. So you use some cash to mitigate that, even reduce the number of shares out there. Normally, this is not that big of an impact. Um, IBM over time has paid more money for its stock through repurchases than the company is currently worth. So there's some <laughs> ironic moments out there. Uh, Apple the spent hundreds of billions of dollars in buybacks, right? I mean, they, yeah, sure. Yeah. But Apple's worth 2.4 trillion. Right. So, you know, but, but good luck, it, so good you wouldn't that. say that that's partly because of the buybacks. It, it is. No. Well, no, it's not, not entirely not, the fundamentals. The, the company's value should be the same regardless of the number of shares. It would just change the per share amount. Well, that's what so I'm saying. You, the per share value. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Your, yeah. Stock, your the, stock price went up because you bought a lot of stock. But well, if the, each, uh, each the price times the number of shares is flat. Right. Yeah. yeah. So your earnings per but, share go up, but your market capitalization doesn't change. In theory. Well, except their market cap has been going up. I mean, they're firing on all cylinders. and uh, I'm not downplaying the Apple stock. I learned my lesson. <laughs> about, about eight years ago, I was at Thanksgiving with my dad and my half-brother, and I said, oh, you should dump the Apple stock. Was actually, no, no, it was 11 years ago. It was after Steve Jobs died. I said, you should dump that Apple stock because it's all over for Apple. <laughs> and Oops. every Thanksgiving, dad sends me a note saying, I didn't sell it. <laughs> <laughs> you were wrong. Does he call you from his helicopter yeah. above his yacht? He drives up in his Rolls Royce and throws go. it out at the window at me. <laughs> so they, but, yeah, they've obviously done very well for themselves. Yeah, I, I used to hear the guys on CNBC talk about the law of large numbers, which which they had totally wrong because it's about something else entirely. But their theory was that Apple was so big that it couldn't grow double digits anymore because it just gets right. harder. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you saturate the market. Everybody's going to buy an iPhone. Got an iPhone. Yeah, but then they want the new one. And also, they, now they're, they're buying the the watch and they're buying the AirPods. 
and uh, they've got a Mac. And, you know, once you're in the walled garden, uh, boy, uh, I don't want to say this to someone who works for Microsoft, but. Oh, I don't uh, care. <laughs> I'm an Apple user. Well, Come on. I'm on an iMac. I, I, I uh, have an Apple Watch. I have an iPhone. I have an iPad. Like, Yeah, yeah. She loves Apple. Yeah. There's no question. This is Satya's here, Microsoft, not, here, not Bomber's Microsoft. Yeah, right. That's, exactly. That's right. Big difference. Yeah, if, he, if, if, if Bomber saw you with an iPhone in the audience, he'd take it and stomp on it. Right. Uh, he actually I did that. Worked, I wouldn't have worked at Microsoft then, to yeah, be totally right. honest. No, that's so, right. But yeah. Satya is, wherever our customers are, that's where we'll be. Uh, the big one from the point of view of saturation is services. And you show this year over year. Uh, this has been a very big – look how steady this growth is in revenue and services. Now $15.8 billion. And that's what Apple's trying to do, right, is increase the amount of money they make per customer. That, yeah. That's where they, the growth is. They now is. have more than they're more than a billion iPhones out there. <laughs> so any <laughs> that's just a way to print money. And the, what's different uh, with Apple than Facebook or Twitter is that they have credit cards for each of those people. Uh, Brilliant. So Brilliant. Uh, they can. Yeah. I buy yeah. stuff with my Apple card because it's so easy all the time. Just because it's easy because it's just a fingerprint away. Horace Daydu had a chart. Uh, he showed that if you Forget the phone and just look at the services and the wearables and stuff right now. And you draw a line. They make about as much money from the wearables and the services as they made from everything in 2012. Right. It's <laughs> That's kind of is kind of amazing. <laughs> Less than 10 yeah. years later. No, yeah. I mean, seeing the, seeing the services pivot has been really interesting because um, – once they stopped reporting numbers of devices sold and really started to pivot into the the service area for growth, that is very quickly, you know, like ramped up and become a bigger and bigger part of the business. And yeah, it's it's un, it's unreal. I mean, wearables obviously I think the watch massive success when they pivoted that from being about fashion to being about fitness and health was was huge. But the I mean, AirPods have been just unprecedented level of success. Um I can't think of anything. I mean, they're kind of like the the new iPod, you know, if you think about it. So it's it's remarkable to think that a decade ago they're doing as much revenue just in those two categories as they were doing with everything. And a decade ago, Apple was like most valuable company in the world. So that's un that's unreal. They, we're, we're very retro this, here because we don't have AirPods on. Uh, Thank goodness. You know, I see TV them today. on TV all the time. Yeah, it kills me, they're, honestly. They're not good. Non they're not good for this. But let me, let me guys tell you something. So currently I have three sets of, of AirPods uh, of varying levels of battery failure. Yes. And so I need to get a new pair. Yes. And I'm going to have four pairs. Yep. I need to buy a new Apple Magic Mouse because I broke mine. Yep. And uh, I need to get an iPad. And I'm just I'm just looking around at my Apple device collection. I'm like, how do I need more of these darn things? And yet I kind of do. And I'm amazed at how much of my money Apple is going to take this year alone because I also want to get an Apple Watch. And I uh, just, I mean, it kind of hurts my soul a little bit. I, I just can't believe how much money I have to give the company. But I do want and need all their stuff. So the thing that I'm right, encouraged. Apple, you win. Well, you said, you said actually they're firing on all cylinders, which is exactly – what I take away from this quarter, because Mac sales were up best they'd been in a long time. iPad sales were up best they've been practically since the iPad came out, since 2012 anyway. Uh, iPhone sales through the roof. They are every one of their products, services, just doing really, really well. Uh, that's, that bodes pretty well for a company. 
Um, yeah. And, most of their money of is the, still from iPhone, but it used to be like three quarters. It's down to 59%. I'm looking at uh, right. Jason Snell's, uh, uh, he does those color charts. charts. Yeah, I love them. Yep. To your point, Christina, wearables is now 12%. And, of course, the rumor is, and we're going to talk about this in, in a second, that Apple is about to release augmented reality glasses, another another category of wearable. So it'll be watch, AirPods, and now glasses. Uh, that could end up meaning that wearables become as important as iPhone. Uh, I'm thrilled that the Mac is doing well because their new chips, I think they're going to eat the world. I think that uh, their new chips are so good that they've got everybody else in retreat. Uh, Horace De Du thinks that Apple itself was surprised how how strong those chips are. Really? Uh, and now the whole yeah, and the whole company now is thinking, oh boy, what can we do with this kind of power? Yeah, I mean, essentially these were overpowered chips designed for an iPhone and iPad. I always I got the iPad Pro and I thought. This has this chip is much more powerful than I'll ever need to run iPad software, and of course that was the chip that they showed off at the with the developer edition, and now we've got the M1, and it's just the beginning of this is going to be a very interesting year for Apple with their microprocessors. I mean, I don't I don't want to be an Apple fanboy, um, but it's hard at this point to look at any other. They're not the number one phone maker in the world. You know, no, not by a long shot. Not by a long shot. <laughs> Samsung, Huawei, bigger. Um, Whenever antitrust comes up, Tim Cook always says there's no market in which we have the dominant right. uh, position. Right. E except, of course, the App Store. And that they're, well, that's, that's when they're, they're in trouble for. There is one way they dominate in every market they're in, and that's in revenue. Profits. Profit per share. Yeah, profit yep. per item. Um, also, they, they've managed to, to take the top quintile of the population the richest people in the world and they're serving them uh which is also not a bad place to be they'll never advertise that but that's what they're that's what they're aiming for yeah they want the the rich people i think apple's really like the bmw of the phone world like yeah. somewhat accessible to a lot of people super high profit margins rock solid brand <clears throat> it's aspirational forever. luxury it's always been that way, Perfect. right? It's aspirational yes. luxury, right? Like it, it's the sort of thing that Are it's not Are you saying it's that... the, the Jordan off-whites of computing? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Jordan <laughs> off-whites of computing uh, would be like those stupid, like Nokia used to own the company that made like those oh, super yeah. expensive phones. Like the, 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 they bejeweled, have, the bejeweled phones, yeah, yeah. That, that no one has any reason to buy that are dumb or like the, the $1,200 Blackberries that they used to sell to, to people in the UAE. No, um, Apple, I think BMW or, is, is a perfect... Uh, corollary, right? And then they have different levels too, because you can get in at lower levels. Like you can get a BMW 3 Series or you can get right. um, a, a pre-owned, but still be part of the family. Um, and and you can go all the way up to spending ridiculous sums of money on, you know, a, a Mac Pro. Um, but but it's aspirational, right? Like it's aspirational luxury. It's going to, it's going to by definition, count, count out a certain sector of the populace. Um, although I do think this is where AirPods have been and, and the Apple Watch, for that matter, too, have been fairly brilliant, is that if you look at them in their sector, certainly you can find lower cost devices, but not that much lower cost. And when you look at it from a quality comparison standpoint, you really can't do much better. I mean, it's, it's, we're finally four years after AirPods. There are finally some competitors in the sub $150 space that could be as good as AirPods, even if you're not using them with an iPhone. Yeah. Um, the Apple Watch, especially when you can get kind of like the, the 
the $200 space, I don't think there's anything. Again, you have to have an iPhone, so that is a knock against clobbered. Them, but they clobbered everybody else. They did. They did. Yeah. Like there'd be, there'd be, I, I wouldn't recommend somebody to get a Fitbit. The only person who I've recently, who, and by recently, I mean in the last couple of years that I bought a Fitbit for has been my, my parents. And the reason there is that they have Rolexes. And I've come really close to getting my mom an Apple Watch a number of times, you know, but- Wait like, a minute. So she wears a Rolex and her Fitbit? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess she would, so, so, as, as right. one and, does. Yeah. Right. And so, but, but you know, but I, I have actually thought a number of times about getting her an Apple Watch. And it's just been a weird thing in my mind, even though the Rolexes are very old. It's one of those things where you're like, so, okay, Mom, you could but, give me the Rolex and here's an Apple Watch. 100%. But, but like, um, but, you know, that, that does seem like a weird trade to make, right? Like that seems like a weird, like, like value trade to make. But, but honestly, that, if you're talking pure functionality, the Apple Watch kicks the Rolex's butt. It's not agreed. as pretty, not as expensive. Not as right. high status. Right, right, exactly. And so, yeah, but at this point, I mean, I think it's interesting that obviously you think the phones and the computers especially, right? The computers are really where there's the highest barrier to entry, but it's still aspirational. But for the accessories, for the wearables, like, you know, again, like that's kind of why I compared the, Air, um, the AirPods to the iPod because that really was the first hit mass adoption Apple product that they had by the time they, in 2003, the time, by the time they had the USB 30 pin connector, it was available for windows. You know, that thing sold like hotcakes. You couldn't, you know, they were selling way more of them, you know, for, for windows users than for Mac users. And it, it created a whole market and, and took over an entire industry and led to, you know, frankly, the Apple that we have today. And I think that the AirPods are doing the same thing, um, kind of, you know, 15, uh, 17 years, 18 years later. Wow. Um, but you know, to, to Alex's point, it is kind of a BMW thing and that they're, they don't go after the bottom barrel thing. They're not going after Chromebooks. They're not going after the real entry level, like, you know, cheapest you can do. Like they want to have a high margin. They want to have a quality standard, but it is designed in a way where, okay, you might not be able to be 100% in the Apple ecosystem, but they do make it possible for people to dip their toe in and then the hope, as Philip was pointing out earlier, is that once you start to get in, you will become fully immersed, including all the services. And, you know, a, you will be like a, me where yeah. where your life is. I hate know. it. I go kicking and screaming, but the Apple ecosystem does work and yep. it sucks yes. you in. And I hate it. I don't want to be an ecosystem uh, advocate. The, the interesting but, thing uh, going on in India where you know the the next biggest market after china and for a long time people said well apple is going to fail if they don't make a low cost phone that they can sell to india and you know for a while what they did is is sold used phones to india uh but really what they did is they they kept the phone they kept the price the same and they waited for indians to get rich enough to afford them right and uh and the and other now thing they definitely- did because india has very strong tariffs is they started sort of manufacturing. manufacturing in India, same thing with Brazil. And in fact, there's, there were stories this week that Apple seems to be starting to make a concerted effort to move out of China for a lot of its assembly. They've been working uh, on that Not the only company doing that. Yeah. A lot of companies are working on that. And I, I yep. think uh, the, the bringing up of the Indian market is really important. We're going to be talking more about the Indian tech scene uh, over the next 10 years than I think people currently realize. Because as we've seen with the Ant Financial IPO, recent kind of Chinese government regulation, I, I think the era of watching China become the uh, the almost de facto global leader and things like AI and so forth will slow. And I think the Indian, US, uh, and then North American market are going to kind of be the top three, uh, which is not what I thought was 
thought was going to be the case a couple of years ago when the Chinese venture capital scene was the biggest in the world. Yeah. And, what and happened there? Did the Chinese government decide that they didn't want to be a capitalist system? So they looked at, at, at Jack Ma and they looked at Ant and they said, yeah, no. Because uh, for a long time, he kind of had a free reign, right? But they, Yeah. Too much power in private hands, though. They don't want that. No. Yeah. So that's the risk. It's, it's not Capitalism good is good in a lot of ways. It's good for the economy. It's, it's, it's good for the country. But it's not good if you lose control, as we have in the United States, frankly, to the big companies. <laughs> right? I mean, I currently work for a Fortune 10 company, Leah, so I certainly couldn't comment on that. And, uh, Christina works for a Fortune 2 company, so she can't comment on that. But you and Philip can, can pop off. Right as now. a little guy, uh, yeah, I wish I were a big guy. Apple's profit, look at this, $28.8 billion. That's almost $10 billion a month. That's un. Believable and way beyond Surreal. anything they've done before. Um, is yeah, Apple overvalued, course. though? Come on, give me some stock tips. Should I tell my dad to sell his Apple stock now? Well, it you know, it took a hit because of uh, that cracked uh, me up. The, the, the GamePro thing. Yeah, they yeah. got well, to a hundred bucks uh, the week before they announced. But I always said, you know, that's what the, that's the old saw is: you buy on the rumor, you sell on the news. That they did exactly that, but maybe the GameStop stuff. People yeah, sold no, Apple would, shares it, to get. It, it probably would have gone to 150, 155 wow. if it hadn't been for GameStop, uh, and you know because they the the shorts had to had to find money somewhere, so they sold. They some took Apple. it out of Apple. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we see that happen. I mean, not to this degree, but we see that happen almost every, you know, big blowout Apple earnings is you see a yeah. certain number of people Profit wanting to lock in. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and it, and it, I mean, that's, that's kind of the deal. I mean, even Microsoft, it was in disclosure. Yes, I have Microsoft stock. Like we went up and then it, it's gone down again. Um, but, uh, but it went up like right after the yeah, earnings. You had an incredible quarter down. too. Yeah. Not, not Apple level. Like, let's be very clear about that, but it was also, you know, very good, which, uh, Double digit. Yeah. totally, which makes me feel a little guilty. You know, as like somebody who seeing the state of the rest of the world and, and then, you know, you're seeing how well the company you work for is doing and all those things. And you're like, this doesn't seem right, but it is what it is. So you I did some math, Leo, yeah. uh, 28.8 billion, uh, over 90 days, about, about one quarter's length of time mm -hmm. is, uh, $320 million a day. Which works out to $13.3 million per hour in Apple gap net income in the last quarter. So well that's, done. That's everyone. profit, by the way. That's not revenue. Yeah. That's profit. I that's feel so poor sitting here. Money in Jeez. your pocket. Uh, Apple is currently at 131. So uh, they, they were at 143. So they're doing all right. But but see, that's the thing. Uh, and I'm not an, I don't have Apple stock. I'm not an Apple investor. Um you got to know when to sell. Is it? Can it go, just keep going? Look at this going up, 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 up. At some point, doesn't it stop? Leo, go ahead and pull the Nasdaq chart. Nasdaq's doing the same thing. Just take a look at a five-year Nasdaq chart, and then think about how that feels compared to state of the economy. I'm not saying it's too high. I don't understand it. Thing to keep in mind. Yeah, I don't understand it. What? Why is that? Is it tech is so damn good? Well, well a couple I mean, things. They, what, what, one is that that the market is is betting on six months from now, so they could see that the vaccine was going to put an end. You know that we we could see the end of the of the COVID thing. Also, Apple and and Microsoft, anybody who was in the work from home thing, uh, 
was was doing great in COVID. Right. This played right into their hands. Right. Um, so, I I have to admit that I have, you know, I for my retirement I only invest in uh, in mutual funds, index funds, but I but I put a significant amount into uh, an information technology index. So I just buy the whole tech market. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah. think that I yeah, it seems to me like there's a future in the tech market. They're going to do okay. You think? Maybe? Just a little bit? Right. I don't know. Well, I don't you know. bet on buggy whips and Exxon? I mean, like, come on now. Uh, oil. I'm going into big oil. Coal, I think, is going to be great. Uh, I'm just very excited about the future for buggy whips. I think you nailed it right there. That's my, uh, that's yeah, my portfolio. It's, uh, come to Twit. Get your investment <laughs> advice. Uh, I buy those retirement, those target retirement funds. So that's my target retirement 1918 fund. Uh, I, felt, yeah. I felt pretty good about that. <laughs> The should, Telegraph's going to be huge. should have retired That's in right. 1918, though. Um, the dentistry, though, was pretty bad back then. And they didn't have good drugs, and your appendix would kill you. So, Oh, and sexism and more racism. That's true. You didn't need so much money because you were going to die at 50 anyway. So there you go. Mm. Uh, That's morbid. Got dark. Got really dark. Cheery. <laughs> Sorry about that. Dan You're going to die anyway. That yeah, you're no. gonna die anyway. Can't that's take it with good, you. Uh, I know. That's a good title for the show. You're gonna take. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> you're gonna die anyway. Oh, oh my god, Dan Riccio, okay. Apple executive, big shot, taking a secret job. Christina, what could that secret job be? I don't know. Maybe maybe a headset, some glasses. Maybe some. I don't know. Oh, that's what Gruber said. He says it's not Titans, not the car, because they just put a new guy in. John Giandrea, the guy who came over from Google, is now running Apple, Apple's car effort, whatever that might be. Uh, what is the next big thing for Apple? Philip, you agree? Glasses. Yeah, yeah, I think glasses is probably it. I don't know how how far away it is. Uh, the the car. I was talking to Horace. We had Horace over as a guest for our. I our love and, him. He is oh, great. great. And, and he knows he knows this micro mobility stuff, and he's. I get the impression he's got pretty good access to Apple to the executives, yes. and I get the impression he's been pitching them on bicycles and scooters and stuff. <laughs> he's really he's really into you know the you know you don't need a car to go to the grocery store if it's nearby. So you know what. Uh, and he, he was pretty frank. He said, you know, I, I talk to them, I talk to them and, and we just can't find a business model that works. Oh, interesting. Uh, they can't find a way to make money on those bikes. I love my electric bike. I would, I you would ride, ride it everywhere. I love it. What so, do you do when it rains? Uh, it I, get, rain. I get in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I also love my electric car. Uh, Horace, yeah, Horace's uh, website is a simco.com. And uh, he really is one of the best uh, analysts out there. He, My he problem, I, I look at VR and AR, and I look at what's happened with VR anyway. And to me, it's it's a dead fish. I don't I don't see a huge future for VR. Yeah, the great the great uh, Mark German had an article describing Apple's working on this product, and when you looked at what he said they were doing, it you know it weighed too much. It like Pulled your head down. Yeah, people were getting stiff necks. Slide glasses into it. <laughs> it had cameras on the side, yeah. and you know, my reaction was that thing is never coming to market. At least Apple's not going to bring it to market, right? Um, but you know, Apple—they've got engineers working on everything. Uh, they just have to see. Well, that's the problem. Might... If you're an Apple watcher, you got to remember they're going to try a lot of stuff. Much of it will never make it to the market. Right. 
right? Like that site Patently Apple reports on every patent. Yeah, I don't actually do those stories because... 99% of them will never come yeah. to anything. Yeah, Apple, like any big company, like Microsoft, I'm sure, has a, a building, just a whole building with lawyers in it. And one of the <laughs> just a whole building full of lawyers. I don't think you were going to go in that direction. Yeah, sorry. And uh, just this is a whole building, just like that's the lawyer building over there. And then uh, they come to every meeting, and if you say, you know, I was thinking, uh, what if what if you could have a mouse that would hold your sandwich in it? And they go, that uh, that's patentable. And they go and they make you file a patent just because huh. they don't want anybody else to make it. And that doesn't mean anybody's going to do any of that, but. What would what would make people? I don't think anything's going to make people run out and buy VR. Honestly, I no. Think you need a killer of, app. You need a killer yeah, app for yeah. like the the AR, right? The VR, I think, games have been a, the attempt, but you know, it requires a lot of space. Anything that requires... makes people throw up is not going to be a big hit in the long run, right? You know, the you killer know, app like, for me because I can never remember anybody's name, and I have I've always had a trouble associating faces with names. It would be the thing that when I meet someone, a little thing comes up I my know. glasses. I'd love that. That's Joe Bluff. That's, that's Philip Elmer and DeWitt. You used to work yeah. with him. He's a he's a city council member in Greenfield. Hey, Philip, how's the city council going? I mean, I would that would actually be awesome. I mean, for directions, I think it'd be good too, whether walking or driving. You know, if you could see kind of like an indicator of where you're going. It's interesting. I think about like the Bose frames. I don't know if any of you have used them, but they're the sunglasses that have like the open ear kind of Bluetooth um, uh Have you headphones. used those? Do you like them? I um, I don't have them, but I've, I've, I've almost bought them a couple of times. Now that I don't go anywhere, it doesn't make a ton of sense for me to, right. to buy Just them. Just wear but, those around um, the house. You'd look silly. Right. But, but like once I once I'm able to like, you know, walk more and that sort of thing. I, I um, And when it's not like no sun in Seattle, uh, I, I might get them. But that does make me think about something like, you know, Apple's, like, whatever they're going to be doing with their glasses. Because if you had something like that where you could, you know, get that kind of personalized input in your ear, like, that could actually be pretty great. But that's been the that's been the challenge I think anybody in AR and VR has had so far is there hasn't been the killer app. And Apple obviously has the best track record of anybody of trying to kind of come up with the best experience around that. So I certainly wouldn't bet against them, but it's why we've seen other AR plays almost entirely be business to business and um, in kind of, you know, verticals of, of people who can use them in industry rather than any sort of consumer plays where for all of the like futurist ideas that we have of how cool it would be, there hasn't been anything that's just been compelling enough to people to say, right. I'm willing to put these limitations and, and all this other stuff to have this computer on my face. But if anybody can do it, it's Apple, right? Let's take a little break. Philip Elmer DeWitt, Christina Warren, Alex Wilhelm is living in my childhood home. It's true. Uh, <laughs> really? Really? It's one of the yeah. best bits of tri trivia, yeah. It's the strangest thing. Uh, I only found that out because uh, his wife, Liza, was here. They were just engaged at that point. And... Uh, I said, oh, you live in Providence. I, I grew up in Providence. She said, where? And I told her the address. She said, that's where I live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's this, the coolest thing I've ever heard. Is that wild? That's so nuts. It, 
it's so one I've, of those like how small can the world be moments yeah. and it never fails to make me laugh. Um, I love it. I will say that we're taking care of the place. It's, it's, I know. It's you in sent high me repair. pictures. It looks I, – I sent the pictures to my mom. She said, oh, my God. What have they done? <laughs> Just wait till you can come over, Leo. We're going to make she, you the biggest you know, dinner you've ever had. You know she said, Alex, last. she said, oh, they have money. <laughs> I'm gonna just gonna awkwardly sit here for a minute, and oh, then I'm gonna they, take wait for the ad said, to start. Oh, they have money. She said you should send that to your father. He'll be very interested. <laughs> My mother-in-law has good taste. I think is what all well. All yeah, because Liza's folks lived there first, right? They bought it. Uh, no, they they lived nearby. Oh, they didn't buy it. Oh, they bought it for Liza. I was not. You we weren't were around at that time? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was, it was wild. It was like six, seven years ago. Well, now that there's a Pepe's Pizza in Providence, I'm I'm moving in with you guys, actually. But we have bedrooms. Come on <laughs> Oh, man. I would love to stay in my old house. That would be hysterical. That would be so bizarrely weird. Our sh- hey, we had a great week on Twitter, didn't we, John? Do you have a promo? German says that this first headset will be more expensive than those from rivals and of course the quest 2 starts at what 250 300 I'll be the airpods max of that's less than Joy a hobby Richie, everybody <laughs> previously on twit hands-on photography and today i want to share with you just a, a simple couple tips to get yourself squared away to do a self-portrait versus doing a selfie tech Ooh. news weekly there's, there's this side of next door that's sort of the warm, fuzzy side where neighbors um, trade tips on finding a plumber or you post your lost cat. And then there was this side of it that I think people are increasingly becoming aware of, which is that it's used as a tool sometimes of racial profiling, discrimination. All about Android. The way that uh, Beeper works is we um, like we run a server, like in this case, on your on your Mac. But the server encrypts, re-encrypts the messages with an encryption key that you set up, and then it sends it to the Beeper okay. servers, and oh, we can't decrypt so it. In fact, it's, so it's, it's even better it's than more iMessage. It's, it's, it's more secure than iMessage. Twit, why didn't I get your mass text? I'm in your contacts. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. <laughs> Next time. Uh, yeah, that Beeper's going to be 10 bucks a month. That's kind of an... I don't know how that's... We need something that's going to unify messaging somehow. But uh, that's the uh, founder of Pebble who started that. It was on Tech News Weekly this week. Our show today brought to you by Molecule. I think getting an air purifier is really an important purchase. And actually, I use them all over the place. We started with our first Molecule in the bedroom at home. And then we got one for Michael. And we have one in the living room. Now we have... This is our second Molecule in the studio. It uses something called Pico photoelectrochemical oxidation. With a molecule, you're actually destroying harmful pollutants in the air, like viruses, bacteria, mold, and chemicals. You're not just collecting them on filters. Molecules air purifiers are designed to help protect homes, businesses, and they even are in medical spaces, uh, dental offices, medical offices. They are designed to destroy pollutants and provide clean air. Not an air filter, air purifier. We just got uh, the new molecule. What do, what do we call this? Is this the Air Pro? It's the it's the biggest one we've we've had. This is designed for our large studio. They have an Air Mini designed for rooms up to 250 square feet. The uh, Air Mini Plus has a particle sensor and auto protect mode, which means the fan speed goes up and down. 
Uh, there's a Molecule Air Pro RX, an FDA-approved 510K Class II medical device. The Molecule's Pico technology meets the performance requirements in the FDA guidance for use and help reducing the risk of exposure to SARS-CoV-2, the COVID-19 virus in healthcare settings. Uh, you can check it out if you go to molecule.com slash air reviews. But I would also go to molecule.com and read the research papers. Studies from places like Lawrence Livermore Labs, from the government uh, sites where they've studied this, and really remarkable results. Molecules technology and filtration systems have been independent, tested by and verified by independent third-party labs, not just for your home, for your office, for your medical uh, office. This breakthrough Pico technology is available at any size and price so you can get whatever you need for the environment that you're protecting. Pick the unit that's best for your space. Create a discounted bundle. It's not loud. You can't hear it. Uh, but it is getting all those particles. And this one's big enough to cover the whole studio. Right now, you can get 10% off your first air purifier order at Molecule.com when you use the code TWIT10 at checkout. Molecule spelled with a K, M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com. And I don't expect you to just take my word for it. Go to the site, read the research, learn about the technology. I think you'll be very impressed. Molecule.com. Enter the offer code TWIT10. Twit 10 for 10% off. Get a whole bundle uh, for the everywhere. Um, we're really glad that we got the Air Pro. We kind of, um, I kind of begged them for it. <laughs> they sent us that one. I said, please, can we have it for the studio? We did buy the ones we have at home. Molecule.com. Offer code Twit 10. <clears throat> uh, this is completely a rumor. It's almost like a patent rumor, but it makes me very excited. Apple, according to 9to5Mac, Apple might be putting a blood sugar sensor in the Series 7. Um, that would apparently be the, huge. The technology apparently exists. Uh, they use infrared uh, light, shine it on the blood, and if there's sugar in the blood, it actually heats up just enough to pick up wow. the signal. So there, there, there are companies that have this, that technology on the market in, in big devices. Uh, so Apple's challenge would be to put it in a watch. This is a huge market. I mean, um, massive, I'm, you know, I don't know how many, um, 36 million. Wow. <laughs> like that. Yeah. I'm type two diabetic. And so it's very important if you're a type two and that's a big problem in the U S cause we're so fat. Uh, at least I am. Uh, if you're type two, you really, no, you, know, you look great, Leo. You look great. Yeah. Well, actually my, you know what, because I monitor my blood sugar, I, I actually I mean, I brought it into, I'm never, never cured, but it's, it's back below in the normal A1C is below six. So, but that's why it's so important. If I, you know, to have it on your watch, it's really annoying to prick your finger with a needle. <laughs> it's not much fun. And, right. and if you could put that in your watch now, of course, they'd have to get FDA approval, which is always tricky. Um, but this could be a big product for Apple. I mean, you want to see a growth market? If you've got 36 million diabetics in this country... <laughs> they would all want this watch. No one wants to prick their finger. It's not no, fun. I mean, and I think even even if you can say that it is, even if you can't claim that it's as effective as doing like the finger prick test, if, if it could even be just enough to give you 
you know, an indicator that you need to do a, a prick yes. test because some, your levels might not be right. correct. Like you still are going to have to have that. Um, I think it could be huge. And, That's and there fine. are many, right, right. And, and there are so many people who aren't diabetic, but might be borderline diabetic or might have other things where they need to monitor their blood sugar. And uh, I think similarly to like what they've done with like the heart rate stuff and being able to detect, you know, uh, arrhythmia for potential heart attacks, like this could be just massive. I think about like my friend, Scott Hanselman, who's a type one diabetic and who has, you know, a, a number of devices that he wears and controls and something like this, I think not to fully rely on, but just to have, you know, to keep in check, Hey, I need to, this, this looks like this might be a little bit low. I need to do a reading yeah. would be fantastic. This is where Apple, you know, when the watch came out at first, they had a lot of ideas about what it would be, but they pretty quickly realized health device. We yeah. want to, we want to make it a health device. And it's become better and better and better at that. I gave one to my 88-year-old mom for fall detection, but she's using Fitness Plus to, to get exercise every day. And she says, you know, my, it said my heart rate went up at night, so I'm going to call my doctor because it was really high while I was sleeping. Those are things that saves lives. 26 million Americans, according to the Diabetes Association, have diabetes but have not been diagnosed. 26 million. Uh, and if this watch would help save some of those lives. That could be massive. Um, so you look for where is the growth opportunity for Apple. That's certainly certainly one of them. You know what? The Apple Watch feels kind of like Amazon Prime. They just keep adding things yeah. to it. So it seems like a better and better yeah. deal. Like, I don't know why I watch The Expanse on Amazon Prime, but I do. Which always just blows my mind. Why is there television on my you know, e-commerce <laughs> shipping service? I just, wanted, I just right. wanted two-day shipping. And I got The right. Expanse. <laughs> And I just want Twitter on my wrist. I didn't know I was also going to get sleep tracking and blood sugar, but okay, cool. Why would I buy anything else? You know, so they just keep adding to it and it makes it harder and harder for me not to buy one. And I can feel that probably the this is the year I'm going to break the down pressure. Right just because yep. I want it. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. Have you watched Flack, Christina, yet on Amazon Prime? No, I haven't. Anna um, Packwin. Yeah, she's a. You, oh, I love her. I love yeah. her. So okay. that's all you need to say. Anna Packwin. It's, it's your kind of show. I think you'll like it. Uh, we just discovered it, and we can't stop watching it. Um, Hyundai. <laughs> That's so, a pivot. <laughs> have you seen Flack? Anyways, Hyundai. Speaking of cars, Hyundai, uh, a little bit of um, angst, a little bit of existential uh, angst over the thing with Apple. They announced that they were talking to Apple about a car deal, which I thought that's the kiss of death. Apple will never talk to you again. Why would you right. say that out loud? Right. You fools. Right. But then it, now they're saying at Hyundai, <laughs> the story from Reuters, Hyundai is wrestling with the risks of embracing Apple. You should be so lucky, Hyundai. Right. <laughs> Speaking of spin, that right? Speaking of flax, like that's some good spin. It reminds me of, um, who was the, uh, uh, Philip will, will, will probably remember this. Who was the um, textbook publisher who leaked that they were working with Apple on like a, a textbook deal before the iBooks bookstore came out, who was then kind of like unceremoniously like taken off the slide yeah. at uh, bye the bye. iPad uh, event. Yeah, because that's, that, that's what's going to happen, Hyundai. Like, yeah. Yeah, you should be so lucky. You don't, don't forget the angst. You don't have to worry. Actually, I meant to mention when we were talking about the watch, the, the Google uh, deal for Fitbit closed uh, this week. Um, do you think Google can take, with all their money... And resources can make, obviously, they're looking at the Apple Watch saying, how can, you know, Fitbit, which used to outsell the Apple Watch like crazy, 
maybe still does with the less expensive devices, but certainly doesn't make as much money as the Apple Watch. Do you think Google might be taking aim at Apple and saying, how can we turn this? We gave up on, on Android Wear. That was a flop. Maybe we could turn Fitbit into something. I mean, maybe. I mean, the, the big thing that Fitbit always had going for it was its kind of cross-platform nature, yeah, right? The fact yeah. that you could use it with anything. Android uh, needs something. Do you? If you don't have an, an, do you have an iPhone, Alex, but not an Apple Watch, or are you an Android guy? No, no, I, I've had iPhones essentially since oh, okay. the, the first one came out. But yeah. how could you and not I, have I'm, an Apple Watch? What are you? Well, I, I tried to buy one about a year ago, <laughs> and it got caught somewhere in the shipping thing, and then they ended up like returning it to Apple, and then and I you just said, didn't try again. Saved by the bell. Do you use a Fitbit? Uh, I have had different fitness wearables. The only one that I liked was the Microsoft Band, RIP. Uh, uh, I work out You're more. You're like the one person, Alex. Yeah, you're the I, one. It, it was so nice with your Zoom, though, right? Didn't it? it? They worked well together, didn't they? <laughs> you know, do you know what was a great device? My Zoom. I had a black one. It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I loved you it. See, you see, um, you see, you can I, tell. <laughs> I, I learned how to run last summer, and I was carrying my iPhone around like a moron because I had to have my you know tracker right. on it. So I just right. kind of ran with it in my hand. And so I think this summer I'm going to buy an oh, Apple Watch to watch. avoid having to carry a phone around. Yeah. For the longest so. time, I had. <laughs> it really looked bad. A fit, a band that you would put on your that would hold the phone. That right, ridiculous. The watch. I, I bought. I bought one of those. It's like a fanny pack type thing, and I tried yeah. to use it once because no. I was wearing AirPods for music, no. and it was so uncomfortable. I didn't even get around the whole run uh, with it on. So yeah, I need to buy an Apple Watch. But it's uh, it's snowing here, Leo. So I'm not exactly outdoors. I heard there's a little uh, there's a little storm coming. Apple has actually added. Dolly Parton to my watch. I am so excited about taking a walk with Dolly Parton. Uh, this is the new uh, Fitness Plus thing. Time to walk. An inspiring audio walking experience. Have you tried this, anybody? The idea I, is... I, de I deleted it immediately because oh. I thought, you know, I, I thought it was this uh, Apple Fitness Plus thing that I quit halfway through and that they were coming back to remind me. But, you know, it doesn't work for me because I have my whole routine. I have all these podcasts that I have to get through before I, know. I finish walking this the dog. This is going to kill us. So I don't need yeah. Dolly Parton to screw me up. But what's wild is she's walking. So all of the people in this, Sean Mendez, Dolly Parton, the Golden State Warriors, uh, Draymond Green, uh, Uzo Aduba from uh, Orange is a New Black, they're actually walking. So you not live, you know, they've, no, they're not. Taped. They recorded it and you, and they don't answer you when you say, Dolly, come here. But, but they, but what's cool is you're walking and they're walking and huffing and puffing and saying, let me tell you, <laughs> I think it's a good idea. I think it's a really good idea. I presume it will be others. I, I wonder if this is the beginning of Apple's podcast ambitions, to be honest. Hmm. You know who else's podcast ambitions? Amazon Prime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm yep. just going to keep pointing out how strange Amazon yep. Prime is to me until it makes sense at some point in time. But I think everyone wants to do this podcasting thing. And uh, gosh, I know where you could get a really there? good, well designed podcast network cheap if anybody's in the market. <laughs> <laughs> Got is, some it, is it perhaps Twit? Got a superannuated host, but there's some young people, <laughs> uh, great audience, uh, wonderful revenue possibilities. Just yeah, yeah. Call me five 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 twelve twelve. Leo, I'm in the phone book. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But it is interesting. I, w I actually, w uh, with a little trepidation, I look at all these companies like Spotify and Apple and Amazon uh, getting into the podcast business and thinking, hmm, this isn't going to be good for the small, the little guy. Philip, you've got you're a little guy. How do you, you were saying? I want to hear your monetization strategy. 
because okay, it's well, free to go to ped30.com. Right. It's changed. The original thing was to take the people who were reading me on Fortune and, and move them to my new thing. Uh, and that worked okay. Uh, but then this churn, you know, and also it, the, the original plan was, okay, everything is eventually free, but I'm going to hold back uh, uh, for a few days. It would be windowing. <clears throat> that didn't work because no. what I was doing was so newsy. Um, I'm really just cutting and pasting the news. and Yeah, so a few days later, something. who cares? I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, it's, but it was going along. It was growing slowly because I'm bringing, what I'm bringing to the party is analyst notes that cost hundreds of dollars a month that I give for 10 bucks a month. Yeah, see, that's, uh, to me, that's the ticket to getting a, people to pay a subscription is you have to make them money. Right. Right. But, but yeah, but they, but since everybody can read it for free, um, th you know, the only people who were paying were the ones who loved me or whatever. Um, so or, basically or uh, your, your mom and your wife, it's a small no, no, group. The, my model basically is the what the well was. Do you remember that? The Love the well. Electron? I was a longtime yeah. member. The yeah. game there was you were selling people their own conversation. Right. Right. Because so you want to be on the well with all those other great people. Yeah. Right. So so people are paying to be because you you can only be part of the. That's the model for Clubhouse. There you go. There you go. So anyway, it was it was going along, and then one of my readers, uh, Robert Paul Lateo, who was who had his own thing called the Brayburn Group, he said uh, he would like to help me. Uh, he would, uh, and he he was willing to start up Zoom chats uh, that oh. would be exclusive. So so then so then I thought, okay, well. And then also I had I was having meet and greets on these zooms and people I it got clearer to me what why they came and why they came was there aren't very many places where you can talk about Apple as a stock without a lot of you know BS without a lot of trolls and and you know and because you have to use their your real name on my site uh that that cuts down on a lot of stuff anyway the so uh, someone said, well, if you need more money, why don't you just double your fee? Uh, and that gave me an opportunity to say, I'm going to double the fee on January 1st. Get it now for 100 bucks a month while it's cheap. And, <laughs> and I was able to drive up my membership by something like 20% um, by doubling my money, by doubling the cost. So there you go. So you doubled the cost and you got more people? <laughs> yeah. That doesn't yeah. make any sense. Well, they were getting it He's cheap. They were getting, <laughs> they were getting it for a hundred dollars, and before it went up to two hundred dollars. So it's um, it's is supply and demand. Wow! How does anyway. he do? Media it? is saved. <laughs> You've saved media. So if you join, well, I, you get to watch the like Horace was a subscriber exclusive. So yeah, you get to be yeah. part of those kinds of things. That's cool. Right. Ask ask me anything, and I've had a couple analysts and people just enjoy meeting each other because yeah. they've been. You know, reading their their comments for years. Yeah, we've been thinking anyway. about subscription, uh, actually, ever since day one on uh, Twit. We've never really. Well, I went. Ad, I was ad free from the start. Yeah, um, I didn't want any ad. I didn't want mostly because I didn't want to sell ads. I right. didn't, you know, that's yeah, not why a, I was. That's a lot of fun. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of fun. Facebook's oversight board is now tasked with figuring out what to do about the Donald. Um. This is the board of uh, distinguished people who are given the role of uh, kind of adjudicating the toughest 
um, decisions that Facebook has to make about pulling down hate speech or violence or nipples, uh, which actually turns out to be a lot harder than hate speech and violence. Um, the, uh, the board members have already ruled on uh, some of their first cases, and they took the case of the president, the former president. Uh, their decision is binding. So it'll be interesting. They're gonna, they have to rule within 90 days. It'll be interesting to see whether they uh, uphold Facebook's decision to uh, suspend the former president or whether they overrule it, in which case Facebook has agreed we will do what they say to do. Basically, they took it off Mark's plate. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and in theory, <clears throat> there it rules. But you know, he he runs the company, so if if they got into a big conflict, yeah, we'll see. You know, it's interesting because uh, they the first five cases are are in. In four out of the five cases, they overturned Facebook's original decision. Uh, so what a Facebook- great so. What a great thing for Facebook, Leo, because now they get to let more people be on their platform and drive up engagement. That's exactly what they wanted. And it's not our fault. They told us to do it. We didn't want to do it, but they said we had to. So, Mark, it's a thin patina of democracy, but they kind of smeared over the top of Mark Zuckerberg's empire, and he gets all the cash, and they take the responsibility and the hits, and uh, who doesn't win? Plausible deniability. That's what he's got. Also, talk about a slow roll. You know, how long is it before they forever. Trump? So these first cases, um, the first was a user in Myanmar, to, to your point, who disparaged Muslims as psychologically inferior. The company decided the post violated its policy, but the board overruled them, saying the terms used were not derogatory or violent. Uh, the board wrote, while the post might be considered pejorative or offensive toward Muslims, that did not advocate hatred or in- intentionally incite any form of imminent harm. Okay. In the second case, a user posted a term to describe Azerbaijanis that Facebook said, that's a slur. Uh, The board ruled the context in which the term was used made it clear it was meant to dehumanize its target. So they said, yep, we're going to uphold the decision. In the third case, it involved nipples. Uh, The board overturned Facebook's decision to remove an Instagram post from a user in Brazil intended to raise awareness about breast cancer uh, it's not male nipples that they care about. It's female nipples for some reason. They, yes. They look exactly the same, oddly enough. But uh, the post included five photographs that showed uh, women's nipples, which the board said, no, that's okay because it's breast cancer awareness. In the fourth case, a user quoted Joseph Goebbels, <laughs> always a good source, <laughs> the uh, head of Nazi, Nazi propaganda. Uh the board said the quote did not support the Nazi Party's ideology or the regime's act of hate and violence, so they overturned Facebook's decision. What are you going to do? The chat. The chat room says they love nipples. They free the nipples. <laughs> Nothing wrong. There, I'm sure I've seen Instagram posts where they had nipples from men and women uh, close up. You couldn't tell, yep. and they said, "Tell us, you know, which ones you want us to take down, Facebook." Mm. Mm. Facebook's like all of them fine that's no. easy enough we'll just take care of that <laughs> just whack not allowed and then uh, Facebook removed a post from a user in France falsely claiming a cure for COVID-19 existed and criticizing the French government for failing to make it available 
Uh, the board, considering the context, argued the user was opposing a governmental policy and aimed to change that policy. It wouldn't lead people to self-medicate, so put it back up. So uh, it's interesting, I guess. You know, in, in D.C., they say the best way for a politician to squirm out of anything is to form a kind of a blue ribbon commission blue about ribbon it. Blue ribbon commission. Yeah. Yep. yep. And so what Facebook did was go, gosh, we're taking a lot of yep. income and fire. Let's get 20 people and pay them enough money that they'll be compliant. And then we'll let them take on all the moral risk and uh, we'll sit back and claim that we're no longer in charge. Yeah. I mean, right. I just can't get over how brilliant this is by Facebook. It's yeah. a great way to get out of jail and they don't have 100%. to worry about anything. Ugh, it's, it's gross. Facebook is it, really pissed off over Apple uh, exposing their privacy violations. And it hurt them. You know, it, it, people have been talking about delete Facebook for years. But the minute Apple uh, uh, did this, WhatsApp had to reveal that they were going to they change their privacy policy and said, yeah, we share information with Facebook. And yes. immediately uh, millions, millions of people, tens millions. of millions turned away from WhatsApp and went to f- Telegram and Signal. Signal yeah. couldn't keep up. Signal was like, so Signal couldn't we keep were not up. expecting this. Yeah. So Apple has a huge, I, I commend them actually for this. Apple said, look, we're just telling people, they have the choice. They could turn it on. We're just telling people what's going on and letting them make the choice. And Facebook says, no, don't do that. <laughs> they, apparently, if you Facebook, tell people what we do. Oh my God. <laughs> apparently uh, Facebook's, um, disclosure thing about privacy is 14 pages long oh it's ridiculous yeah <laughs> yeah although i did see and you probably saw this too philip Washington post there is a lot of apparently a lot of these uh, privacy statements are wrong like people are lying yeah. as much as 50 percent yeah the yeah. guy at the washington post uh just went through and started checking them and and half of them were wrong they they claimed that there was no that there was no tracking and it turned out there was tracking and then he reported it and sometimes they would change the description and sometimes they did nothing and those things are still up there apple hasn't actually turned on this thing the att uh that happened sometime this quarter so uh they delayed it because facebook complained yeah a yeah. lot of people complained yeah yeah, yeah. Facebook is going to take a 7% hit, someone estimated. Billions. In their revenue. Yeah, that's, billions. That's $1.5 billion. Yeah. Yeah, Jeffrey Fowler at the, uh, at the Post, who has always been one of those guys who will actually do the, the work, which I, I commend yeah. him for, um, actually went through and, and looked at these, tested them with Privacy Pro, um, and uh, asked uh, a guy from a Disconnect former NSA researcher to run a deeper analysis and found a lot of, <laughs> well, for instance, the satisfying slime simulator, which sounds like <laughs> I would download that, but it's, it's really for ages four and, and up, uh, was sharing a way to identify my iPhone and other device properties with Facebook, Google, and a service called Game Analytics. It was sending Unity, the software, the game software, not only my phone's ID, but also my battery level, my free storage space, my general location, even my volume level. Uh, they claimed they took no data at all. Uh, wow. And he goes on and on and on. So um, I, I imagine at some point Apple will look to enforcement. And, and probably will have ways yeah, to do and, that. Yeah. But for now, don't necessarily assume that those privacy statements are accurate. I don't want to give Apple credit because they're a multi-trillion dollar company and so screw them. 
Um, but they don't need, the they don't need your credit, baby. They give you credit. <laughs> that, that's, that's true. <laughs> that's Actually, true. I, I don't, I don't have an Apple credit card cause I don't need one. Uh, cause I have a Southwest credit card. So, oh, yeah. smart. but yeah. I mean, you, you, those uh, miles but, are really coming in handy someday. Yeah. You know, in, in 27,000 years when <laughs> yeah, I can leave the house yeah, again. Someday. Um, yeah. but Apple is probably one of the few companies with sufficient clout and, uh, and no real ad platform to speak of, of scale, uh, to force change, to actually, create a more private internet for us, us regular folks. And so if they do that, they'll, they'll earn my eternal, uh, some have said thanks that Apple's only doing this because they're attempted an ad network with such a flop that they they had to pivot from uh, that to privacy, but Hey, for whatever reason. Yeah. I don't, I don't care what path they took. You know, I mean, I mean, Microsoft politely has Bing, which is a relatively large search engine in the world. It's number two. Google, of course, is pretty compromised. Facebook is just one big privacy catastrophe on wheels. So, you know, maybe Apple can, um, can do this. Tim Cook spoke at the EU Data Protection Conference, CPDP, this week. He gave a keynote titled a path to empowering user choice and boosting user trust in advertising. So he, he talked exactly about this. Uh, he said, as I've said before, if we accept as normal and unavoidable that everything in our lives can be aggregated and sold, we lose so much more than data. We lose the freedom to be human. And yet this is a hopeful new season, a time of thoughtfulness and reform. Basically, uh, he didn't you say Facebook by name. But he condemned its business model. He said, if a business is built on misleading users, on data exploitation, on choices that are no choice at all, it does not deserve our praise. It deserves reform. It's convenient because it doesn't hurt their business. <laughs> but right. It's a, a strategy advantage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, but like, like Alex says, I'm not really, I'm not too concerned about why. You know, I mean, as yeah, long as it, the good. net result is positive, yeah. cool, you know? Yeah. Actually, this week, Spotify apparently said that we're going to be analyzing your emotions as well as your pocketbook and everything else uh, when you listen to Spotify music. I suspect I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see these kind of moves as people learn what these companies are up to uh, away from Spotify to probably will benefit Apple Music, uh, away from WhatsApp to Signal and Telegram. Um, These guys, this could change a lot. This could be a huge economic uh, although, impact. although the one area I'll push back is that as much as people hate like having you know the privacy sold and whatnot, there are advantages to that too. Like Apple Music, and I'm an Apple Music subscriber. I also subscribe to Spotify uh, because I'm dumb um, and you know have multiple <laughs> subscriptions to everything. But like the thing that you know the end of year thing that everybody loves so much from Spotify, the Spotify you know unwrapped where they give you all of your analytics. Like people love that. Apple Music know, doesn't have to be even close. Yeah. So I think that, it, that on the one hand, people will be like, oh, well, I don't like you taking tracking my emotions or this other stuff. But on the other hand, they're like, oh, no, but show me all of my most listened to things and who I'm the biggest fan of and, and all this other analysis. Like people love that data. So like there's this weird thing where I think in, in cases like Facebook, um, specifically with WhatsApp, because they'd said that they would keep it separate and then, you know, moving all the data to Facebook, I think that's like one big move that you can see people are actively being like, all right, well, getting off of this and, and we have other options. Something like music, I don't know. I mean, like... Oh, you might like it if if, if Spotify says, you sound sad. Let me play a song to cheer you up. Or maybe like this is other, you know, sad music like you like. I mean, the thing is, is that Spotify's playlists are better from the algorithm. Discover, you know, the Discover like, Weekly playlist is amazing. They are. And they're better. I mean, I like my favorites um, uh, playlist from, from Apple Music. Not but as that's good. Just stuff that, 
No, no but, but, but it's no, it's not. It's stuff that I, I know I like. I'm never right. going to hear anything new on it. No discovery. Whereas Discover yeah. Weekly, right. I get new stuff that is tailored to me all the time. So, I mean, there there's there's a trade off to that. And part of me, I'm like, I understand that Spotify is monetizing and monitoring and all the stuff with my listening habits. Um, but I'm getting a better listening experience out of it in some ways. Whereas it's similar to Siri, right? Like Siri is a terrible assistant. Um, largely because it isn't doing any of the things that Google Assistant and, and Alexa are doing. And sometimes if all you're wanting to do is set an alarm or do other stuff, that's fine. But if you're actually wanting to try to get information and use it as a, as a tool, I mean, I think even those of us who are like deeply, deeply embedded in the Apple ecosystem acknowledge that Siri is terrible and that the other ones are better, you know? So sometimes there are trade-offs. Google is the best. Yeah. No, Google's the best. Yeah, yeah. Really? It, 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 if you ask, if you want to know, oh, know, the best assistant. When yeah. Someone, yeah, assistant. Yeah, when yeah. someone is born, when you want to look at something in Wikipedia, I guess Google's that's true. got it. I, you yeah. know, each has their strengths. Um, Amazon's great if you want to buy something, <laughs> <laughs> or if you want to stream the latest science fiction shows. There you go, Amazon Prime. Amazon Spotify the thing that I can't stop talking has about, not sorry. yet implemented it, but they've patented technology to allow it to analyze your voice because it's in your phone. It's got a microphone that would suggest songs based on your emotional state, gender, age, or accent. You sound Scottish. That means I'm going to play some angry music for you. <laughs> I don't know what the accent would do, but um, they, they patented it. They didn't implement it, so we really shouldn't go by go by patents i'm you say you're silly to have apple music and spotify christina i'm stupid i have i don't have spotify i have apple music google music which is now youtube music amazon hd prime music and then a bunch what? of other like prime phonic i have like six subscriptions and they all have the same music it's so stupid i have the google one too but that's just because i have like the youtube red or yeah, whatever you get the YouTube YouTube premium. Yeah, yeah so yeah. i don't use it so it's yeah. it's not used but yeah i i will say i don't have the amazon prime subscription thing that i have held off on i'm i got it that's yeah. i got it because it's hd they they stream it right. at a higher bit rate so i thought yeah okay okay hey we got to take a break cuz uh, the time is running short you probably are all starving so hang on here. We're going to take a little short break and uh, wrap this thing up with our fabulous panel. Christina Warren, uh, Philip Elmer DeWitt, and the great Alex Wilhelm. Uh, I, I mean that generically, the great. I don't know if you're actually great, but just generically, he's... No, I'm teasing you. I love to tease you. I just love to tease Alex because he lives in my old house. He's like my brother. You're also, I, I feel... Vaguely like your younger brother at times. Yeah, so it's actually kind of I, I feel that way too. Isn't that funny? I don't know why that is. Oh, Maybe because you're in my backyard right now. Our show today brought to you by, oh, I love this brand new sponsor. Really happy to have him. You all know him. Udacity. Udacity was started by Sebastian Thrun. He left Google. He said, you know what? You know what Google needs? You know what Microsoft needs? What Apple needs? What the tech industry needs? People with skills that we can hire. And Udacity was born. It's audacity without the A. Look, there are a lot of tech jobs out there. I know a lot of you would like to work in tech, but do you have the skills you need? Don't waste your valuable time and money. Udacity is the world's fastest, most efficient, most direct way to master the skills tech companies want. They call them nano degrees. The first was from Google. 
Now there are nano degrees from IBM, from Microsoft, from AWS, from Google. The Udacity Nano Degree Program, it's unique to Udacity. It's an online educational offering designed specifically to bridge the gap between learning and your career goals. You'll learn a suite of employable skills. They partner with industry leaders and experts who understand exactly what the market needs and helps you get those skills. Look at all the companies now that work with Udacity. The thing I like is this is so much better than trying to teach yourself or watching YouTube videos because once you enroll as a student in a specific course offering, first thing, you're going to be prompted to view the online course as well as complete a series of projects. So you'll watch the videos, you'll work with the instructors, but then you have to do it. You can't just say, oh, I watched it, I know it. You have to do it. So you do a series of projects. Uh, and by the way, the projects are then reviewed by qualified professionals, real humans. Mentorship is available 24-7. You're going to get personalized code reviews if it's a coding course. This is the kind of stuff you need that's so much better than just trying to do this on your own. Uh, you, they'll also help you get a job. They'll help you build a, I love this, build a portfolio on GitHub. That is where a lot of people who are trying to get jobs in tech post their code. They'll show you how to do it and how to get many stars and all the things that help you get that workout linked into to show prospective employers. You'll learn how to, there's courses on networking on how to get noticed, how to get the job you want. The nano degree program can include classroom men mentorship, moderated forums, project reviews, and it's so successful. 13 million people are registered users on Udacity all over the world. And this is what I love about it. You know, not everybody has access to this information. Udacity users are in 160 plus countries. 1.3 million projects completed and passed. 150,000 nanodegree certificates earned. Data scientist, data engineer, data analyst. Maybe you want to get into self-driving cars. They have courses in autonomous systems, courses in AI and cloud computing, programming, product management, digital marketing. There, there are so many courses. There's, there's even free courses you can try just to dip your toe in. Udacity is very affordable. They offer flexible payment options. You can learn at your own pace and schedule. So many people use Udacity while they have day jobs, maybe day jobs that don't satisfy. They're, they're getting the skills, the knowledge they need to get a real job. I'll give you an example. Francisco Gutierrez, he, he, you know what? He wasn't happy with his job. He wanted a better life for his family. He couldn't afford a four-year school. It was just too expensive. He took programming classes at the community college, but they never really translated into job-ready skills. So he participated in the Grow with Google Udacity Challenge. He got a full scholarship for the Mobile Web Specialist Nano Degree. The Nano Degree took him step-by-step. Step. He got an internship from Microsoft. He did the internship. He had the skills. Microsoft offered him a full-time job as a software engineer. He's working at Microsoft. He's your colleague now, Christina. And it's all because of Udacity. Check out Udacity for Enterprise. Upskill your workforce. It's one of the things I really believe in. Get the education that broadens your horizons. U-D-A-C-I-T-Y. Udacity.com slash twit. And... Uh, by the way, 50% off through May 30th, so this is a good time to do it. Half off when you use the coupon code TWIT, they'll apply the discount at checkout. I, I strongly encourage you to take advantage of this. Udacity.com slash TWIT. The coupon code is TWIT. 
The coupon code is TWIT for 50% off. Thank you, Udacity, for supporting This Week in Tech and, and frankly, for supporting our community and helping them get those great jobs. It's nice to work at Microsoft, isn't it, Christina? Yes. Nice people there doing interesting things. <clears throat> and they've got, uh, they've got some nano degrees as well. Um, let's see. Oh, man, you got to feel for AT&T. Are you owned by AT&T, uh, uh, Alex? Who no, owns? I'm owned by Verizon. Verizon. I knew it was one of those. Well, then you're probably laughing <laughs> when you see that AT&T had to eat a $15.5 billion charge. What's an impairment charge? Uh, an impairment charge is when you write down goodwill. So when you buy another company, <laughs> you tend to mark the uh, the premium that's you a, paid on it in a, accounting terms. That's a lot of goodwill. $15.5 billion worth of goodwill? <laughs> well, I mean, that's usually what impairment means in, in the corporate uh, well, world. If you, if you pay for something and it ends up being worth less than you think, you yeah. can't keep the goodwill on your books. You have to write it down, which is an impairment. Could be related to the fact that they, uh, AT&T lost 617000 Premium TV customers in Q4 alone, <coughs> three million in the year 2020. Whoops! Uh, Direct TV. That's what they bought. Direct TV, um, and uh, its other TV business is not doing so well. The Death Star. I'm sorry. Premium customers fleeing in droves. AT&T is down to sixteen and a half million customers. Uh, down from 19.5 million uh, at the beginning of uh, 2020. Um, it actually had 25 million uh, in 2017. So it's really been downhill. But you know, I have to f think it's not just AT&T. I bet all of these uh, companies are are suffering. But but you know, AT&T, um, Verizon built more antennas. AT&T bought Time Warner. That's the oh, difference. Oh Lord. Yep. Oh Lord. Um, HBO Max is at least the one bright spot. They're doing all right with that. And I have to say, you know, they're going to lose a lot of money because as uh, uh, Warner Media has said, we're going to release every movie that we're putting in the theaters for the whole year. We're going to release for free on HBO Max. Started with Wonder Woman 1984. Um, but they said that as a result, our subscribers went to 41 million subscribers at 15 bucks a month. So that's something. Um, I love it because I can watch movies for free. <laughs> what, what is HBO Max? Because I have it and I don't what know. Is what it? It no is. one knows what it is. It's, well, that's the whole thing, right? <laughs> they, they've, they've diluted the HBO brand, the, the the pinnacle, the best brand in all of entertainment, like literally the crown jewel. And they're like, yeah, let's just make it this hodgepodge of all these things. Um, it's the so, Amazon yeah. Prime of HBO. It is. Bas it is. Yeah. It's the Amazon Prime of HBO. And it's a shame because I don't mind having all of the Warner Media properties in one place and having access to this, uh, you know, additional stuff. And some of the HBO Max programming, which is different from HBO programming, has been quite good. But, like, you know, I, wait, I, wait, I wait. do. It, I'm, Christina, I'm sure it, that a lot. Sorry, go on. Is HBO Max not as good as HBO? Do I have a lesser HBO? It's HBO Plus. It's everything it's you got on so HBO you plus so a lot of crap. The, exactly. So you have yeah. all the HBO stuff, which is excellent. Right. Uh, and then you have some additional HBO Max original things, which would probably not be greenlit by HBO, but you get the HBO stuff too. The Flight Attendant okay. Show. There's a good the example. The Flight Attendant was good, right? Was yeah, it? Was it? Was it really? <laughs> I mean, look. Was it? 
look, it was Showtime. Her. Okay, it was Showtime. I, I HBO wouldn't have aired it, but Showtime would have. So yeah, I'm, okay. I'm fine with yeah, it. You're right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not mad at it existing. Um, <laughs> I am because like, I watched it. I mean, I did too. But like, <laughs> Six hours of my life, I'm never getting back. I mean, again, uh, again, it was Showtime, but like, you know, it, it's just I'm more mad at the name. The name is no one. It really should be it HBO is. less. Is what it, it, it should not. just be called Warner. Warner whatever. Warner and TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah. HBO so that people know that they get HBO with it too. <laughs> there was a good, there's a Denzel Washington, uh, you know, cop movie, The Little Details, uh, that I thought was pretty good except for the ending, which was terrible. Um, I mean, that was a movie that would have come out in January, which means they had no hope of Oscar uh, right. nominations. Right, exactly. They, even though, they were burning this off. Yeah, they're burn- yeah, even though it had three, not one but two, but three Oscar-winning actors it was uh, Rami Malek, it was Denzel Washington, and it was Jared Leto. Three Oscar-winning actors. It was a good movie for the first three quarters of it. I enjoyed. No, see, that's how you get greenlit, Leo. That's how you get greenlit. You right. hire all those people, right. and and that's how you get the funding. And then right. they see it, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, the this didn't things, work." The little things. So we're releasing this in January. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There'll be there's the Matrix, whatever eight. I don't know what number it is now. Four. I don't know. The new Matrix movie is going to come out. I mean, I'll watch it and hate myself for it because I think we can all acknowledge there's one Matrix film. There's really only one good one. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, I I can't say I'm sad to see HBO eat a $15.5 billion impairment charge. You mean AT&T? Because we like HBO. Not HBO, AT&T, right. Uh, But but they own Warner Media. They own Time Warner, right? I'm confused. Well, they sold off time. They sold off all the time. They sold time. So all this stuff, Fortune has its own boss now. Mark Benioff. Mark Benioff. Mark Benioff bought Fortune? Yeah. Yep. What? Yep. I know. Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) Try to follow. Try to keep up. It's okay. I I know. I can't mock because I I worked for TechCrunch twice now. The first time I worked for it, it was part of AOL. And then Verizon bought it and merged it with Yahoo and made Oath. And then I quit. And then I came back. <laughs> and now it's Verizon Media Group, which is run by some nice people. No. But I'm still not entirely sure. TechCrunch is how still a great publication. Thank God they haven't messed it up, right? Right. No, actually, to be clear, they've been good stewards of the TechCrunch property, in my good. view. Yeah. But, I mean, I do giggle a little bit about how I ended up where I am at times. The yeah. corporate, you know, combination shenanigans that have yeah. happened. Yeah. Uh, is, uh, I, yeah, okay. I was going to talk about some other stuff, but I'm bored. So, uh, let's just wrap it up. Um, <clears throat> I put a, Leo honesty. I put a lot of stories in here. Sometimes they're just not that interesting. So can, can I point, point one thing, you know, yes. I love, uh, doing this because I read all these things I'd never otherwise read. I, I would never have read Susan Wojcicki's letter. Wojcicki's letter to the YouTube Wojcicki. creators. Yeah. 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 In there, there's this little fact that, uh, uh one billion hours was uh, one billion hours was spent watching no a hundred billion hours was watching gaming content on youtube in 2020 Um, so i did the math and (laughs) if you figure uh a a human life is about a million hours if you live to uh 114 
a uh, hundred billion divided by a million is a hundred thousand lives <laughs> wasted. Lost wasted. Watching some ten-year-old yeah. play Minecraft. I know that's, it's hard to believe. That's COVID-level <laughs> destruction of human human life. I want to I want to argue against this. I know we're wrapping up, but let me just say, no, no, no. Uh, it's I good. Really if there's a good story, I'll I'll go with it. That's good. I recently started to play a game called Civilization Six, which if Civ you haven't six. played it, is a yeah, yes. Civ Six. It's a, it's a great way to ruin your life, your marriage, because it, it just consumes <laughs> your entire life. And what I've been doing has been watching people who are good at Civ Six on it's YouTube. True, actually. And yep. I've learned a lot. And so, I mean, Philip is 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 mocking me fairly, I think. But I, I do want to say that, yeah, this is the new stuff that just came out. Uh, I was playing this this morning, actually. Uh, it's been huge to me. I'm now much better at, at Civ. Now, Philip might argue that that's a waste of my life. Valid. But I will say, at least it, it had the thing. I got out of it what I wanted to get out of it. You know? No, it that's works. true. I have Fair to enough. say, even though I am devoted to Animal Crossing New Horizons, mm-hmm. I haven't watched any YouTube videos on how to. <laughs> I feel like I Maybe can kind of I can kind of figure it out without some of the having... island tours are some of the island tours are really fun though. To oh, see how people have done stuff to actually, their islands. I love that. That's part of the problem is I look at what people have done and I feel like such a slacker. I mean, same. Same. I feel terrible. I'm like, I, I like I have total. I'm like, how do you do that? Like, you know, but it's still fun to watch. They keep, you know, they give you a, um, an evaluation every week. And, uh, I, I keep getting only four stars because they say, you got too much crap scattered around your island. And you're like, where, can else, where else can I put it? I, 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 I don't have a space. How do I get my five-star island? They actually say you should sell it. You should just sell it. Stop stop keeping everything. Um, I love that. Do you play? You still play? Yeah. I love it. It's a really nice, I peaceful, stopped for a while, but I started up again. It's, yeah, it's, it's a peaceful game. Wholesome. It's wholesome. It's fun. I need wholesome games. Here's a here's a guy who's who's going to build an amazing <laughs> amazing lake. I don't know why she's standing there just looking expectantly at us with her shovel she's in her hand. Her shovel, yeah. She's yeah. ready to go. Go ahead, do it. Do it. Oh, there she goes. Whoa. She's building a lake. Yep, yep. Wow. I've seen this people is a real person? I've seen people well, I don't know. It's a, it's a real fake person. It's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> yes, it's a human behind it. Let's put it that way. Um, Wait, what? I've never played this game before. This is amazing. Oh, it's a great game. It's an amazing game. You'd love it. It's I don't on have a Switch. Switch you have because... to. That's. I actually bought a Switch just to play Animal Crossing. That's how... if I bought a Switch, I would. I would get fired. I think. So I'm not <laughs> going to let myself. Well, if you have a Civ Six problem, you probably enjoy this game. I was going to say, yeah, you would enjoy <laughs> yeah. it. Also, there's 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 a stock market component with it. Um, uh, with, Do you buy? I don't buy turn, turnips anymore. I feel like I've I've really hurt my. I really, it, when they say stock market, it's S T A L K stock market. Yep. Turnip stalks. stalks. Every Sunday, the lady comes and offers you turnips, and you can spend hundreds of thousands or millions if you want on turnips. Problem is, you have to put them somewhere. And then mm-hmm. every day from the rest of the week, you have to see what the turnip prices are. And the idea is obviously buy low and sell high. But if you are, yeah. if you're not careful, you can either get you know lose a lot of money or get stuck with them. Lots of turnips, they go bad. They go bad. They go bad. Yeah. And I had rotten turnips in my in my dining room. I was very depressed, so I never. Yeah. I stopped. Do you yeah. buy turnips on Sundays? 
Uh, yeah, but usually what I do is I I, I island hop and I find the places that That's have low have prices and then high prices, That's and then you, you get in queues and yeah. you wait forever, and mm-hmm. and then you sell and make a big profit. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so that's what I do. But yeah, um, nothing, I kind of got to the point where I like had enough money where I was like, I, I don't need any more money. I don't have to do this. <laughs> I've gained it enough. That's the problem. I don't. You don't. I don't need any more money. After a while, there's nothing you can buy. So it's like right. you don't really need the money. I've got millions of dollars in the bank with nothing to do with it. So anyway, I don't think anything's gonna be funnier to me ever in my life than Leo saying, I don't buy turnips anymore. I stopped buying <laughs> turnips. Stop, I, had I had to. Tur- I had a turnip problem. Thing. I had a turnip problem. I had a turnip problem. Yeah. I'm done with beets. Yeah. Or vegetables are passe. Forget them. <laughs> uh, are there crack. any other stories? You guys did so much homework. I didn't realize you were going to read all the stories I'd bookmarked. Are there any other stories that we, you wanted to talk about that I did not mention? I don't want to leave you. Leave you out. Anything else? I thought that I'm was good. that's a good stat. A hundred billion game hours of game video viewed. Crazy, crazy. I think I think turnips go bad could be a show title. <laughs> <laughs> I there I'll are leave. there are two related stories <clears throat> that I'm a little worried about. Amazon has announced that its Echo devices now can act on hunches to turn life lights off and more. It just, I think you, I think you're going to bed. So I'm just going to turn off all lights. What could possibly go wrong? And it goes side by side with Elon Musk announcing that, that the new Tesla Model S's will decide whether you want to go forward, backward, or or neutral. They'll shift for you. Again, what could possibly go wrong? I don't this know. This stuff is always going to come because, you know, we have better predictive technology and more data and better analytics. Uh, I'll just say, though, I, I'm not yet ready to let Elon decide which direction I'm going to drive the car. I think that's a good thing. Right. Seriously. I don't think, he's also announced a steering wheel that looks like the yoke of an airplane. One little problem. You can't do hand over hand, so you won't be actually able to turn very much because it's it's just a U. It's not a whole steering wheel. <laughs> and a number of safety experts have said that that's not going to even be legal. <laughs> you can't put a flight yoke in the Model S. So don't worry, it won't come out, Leo. I mean, like, how long ago did they announce the roadster that was going to zero to sixty in like half a second, and they showed yeah, it off say, and where, put the media? I was going to say, where's the cyber truck? Yeah, yeah, where's the truck? I want the truck. Maybe they're still working on the design <clears throat> of the exterior, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. It is time to say good night <laughs> to our counselor at large. Philip Elmer's glue DeWitt. Here is his. Wait a minute. Show is. I found the poster. Thank you. So good. Let's stick together. (laughs) So good. Did Borden call you and say, "Uh, sir, you can't use our bowl? I actually uh, did my due diligence. I called Borden. It it was hard to find anybody. Um, The, uh, you know, when you call the secretary. Hey, somebody wants to to use the Elmer's glue label in his campaign. So I got I got a, a a call a couple hours later from the lawyers. Uh, you know, I, the question was, can I use the bull? And she said no. So the the poster that I put on everybody's lawn had no bull. No uh, bull. Even it, better. That's your other slogan. Let's stick yeah, together. Yeah. No bull. No bull. <laughs> I. So I think anyway. that bull is this is Elsie's brother or something, right? Because yeah, I mean, yeah, I love, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. though that you called them, that you like did your due diligence. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, like you should have been elected for that alone. No other person yeah. running for, for city council would have taken that 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 effort to actually call the board and the blue company. Well, I love we, that. We so are, much. 
we are the county seat, uh, so there are a lot of lawyers in town. Nice. Um, so I thought I would get called on it. One question, do though. Doesn't counselor have two L's? Which would, no, city. Uh, I don't know. Not, not in Greenfield. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> not in Greenfield. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. <laughs> Philip Elmer DeWitt, subscribe, PED30.com. A great way to get all of your news, your Apple News especially. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us, Philip. Thank you. Really Thanks for having it. me. Christina Warren, she is a developer advocate, a cloud advocate at Microsoft. Uh, she has somebody in the chat room. Mike Heiss said, she has a beautiful uh, Brooklyn loft. I really like that. I know, that. I wish. I really like that apartment. Uh, <laughs> it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Christina, at Film Girl, Film underscore Girl on Twitter. Anything you want to, uh, anything you want to plug there? Yeah, so uh, uh, my uh, my weekly tech news podcast, Rocket, Relay.fm uh, slash Rocket. Um, if you want to give that a listen, that's a lot of fun. And I know you've had Simone and Brie on before, too. I know the, that Simone and the, Alex are best friends. The best people in the world, Brianna Wu and Simone de Rochefort uh, and Christina Warren. I mean, that is a show to listen to. you got to yeah, listen to We have to a great time. Yeah. We have a great time. So thank you so much. And I love being on Twitter. I'm so glad to be back. Oh, we love having you on. The latest episode of Rocket is from yesterday or the day before. Game stonk. <laughs> yes, we recorded before the Robin Hood mania, like where, where Robin Hood was was stopping the, the trades because we recorded on Tuesday. So it's completely out of date. But uh, I love it. Game it was still stonk. Fun. Yeah, yeah. Relay FM slash Rocket and Alex Wilhelm, my brother from another mother. Always great to see you, uh, reporter at TechCrunch. Anything you want to plug? You're, you do their podcast, right? Uh, yeah, if you care about venture capital and startups, we do a podcast called Equity. Um, otherwise, I'm on Twitter and uh, say hi. Yeah, Equity Podcast uh, at TechCrunch.com. Latest episode, why calendar invites are worth $3 billion. He also had a Robin Hood uh, episode uh, that day. You were, you did two shows busy, in busy one week. day. Yeah. Crazy man. Poor Alex. Alex was like, <clears throat> can the news stop so that I can put content out and without stop having to Stop the news. I, mean, I want to get you guys off. joke. But like I, I finished a lot of work days lately. I go into the house and I just lay down face first on the couch. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> that's enough. That's and a, I just try to like fall asleep. Good thing your wife's a psychiatrist. That's all I can say. No, totally. There was like, there's a part of me that was kind of missing being in news during all this craziness. Oh, and then there was another part of me who was like, okay, the, the downside, Christina, would be like you wouldn't have slept because you would just be writing and then having to rewrite and then having to change and update. Like I would have been like you, Alex, like just – face it's down. It's been a lot. Head. Yeah. yeah. My, my parents are like, how are you doing? I'm like, terrible. They're like, why? I'm like, well, everything's happening at once. <laughs> That's why. happening. Well, thank you for, uh, I really appreciate it for you because you could have taken tonight off, but instead you, you allowed us to take some of your time. So I really, all three of you, I really appreciate it. It was a great Pleasure. show. Really nice to have you. Uh, we do twit every Sunday. For me, it's the afternoon, 2.30 p.m. Pacific. For Alex, it's the evening, 5.30 uh, and for Philip, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, that's 22.30 UTC. You could figure out what time it is for you. The reason I mention the time we do it, we do live streams of the production of all of our shows at twit.tv slash live, live audio and video. If you're watching or listening live, chat live with us. Uh, the chat room is irc.twit.tv. They're also watching live at the same time, and that's open 24-7, as is our stream. You can get on-demand versions of everything we do at our website, twit.tv, including This Week in Tech. 
of course, there's a YouTube channel, so you can watch it there. And uh, we encourage you to subscribe if you get a podcast client. Uh, just subscribe. That way you'll get it automatically uh, the minute it's done on a Sunday, so you have it for your Monday morning commute from the bedroom to the living room. It's a short commute, but uh, you take your time so you can hear the whole show. It's a nice long one uh, today. Uh, we also want to remind you that uh, we have a couple of other ways to interact with us. There's a Twit forum at www.twit.community. Yes, there is a dot .community. It's long, but it's, it's, it's effective. And at twit.social, we have a Mastodon instance, so you can join us in the Fediverse. Mastodon is a Twitter clone, but it is not run by any company. It's run, servers are run by anybody who wants to run one. We have our own twit.social, but it lets you follow people on any other instance anywhere in the world. Thanks for joining us, everyone. I'm Leo Laporte. We'll see you next time. Another twit. It's amazing. Is amazing.